0: Chick, you are listening to the Quarter to Three Games Podcast, where we talk to the people who make the forum what it is about the things that matter to them. Sal, do you know what that music is?
1: I believe you're playing Freebird. Oh, oh my God, you just lost all of your... Oh, no, I'm sorry. You're playing Greengrass and High Tides. Oh, how did I do that? Good save. Good
0: save. That was really close, Sal, but that was a good save. I don't know how
1: I almost screwed that up. What a great way to start the podcast.
0: Now, uh, we are joined, as you now know, by Sal Accardo, who posts as Sluggo before we get into some rock band talk. And and by the way, Sal, I think your name is kind of synonymous with like rock band expert on the forum, so I, I want to plumb your expertise shortly. But first, I want to point out what we're all thinking, and that is that you must be a huge fan of the comic strip Nancy.
1: Uh, I am not. That is not where the name came from.
0: I don't believe you. Convince me otherwise. Go. (laughs) Uh,
1: To be honest, my original nickname before I got into gaming was Fingers, because I was for a while a professional musician, and that was a name that was actually given to me by people I used to do sessions with. And when I got into gaming, I found out there were already four or five well-known people who had fingers in their name in various places i think there was a guy who worked for id and then there was a a big website that had some three fingers guy and uh, somehow sluggo came out of something else i'm not really sure where it came from but it was more born out of desperation and uh, people seem to like it well now you say you're not
0: really sure where it came from but a lot of us know better you obviously somebody who was a huge fan of nancy passed it along to you you may not know that but uh i uh, i'm uh, you haven't you haven't convinced me otherwise Sal. i've been asked many
1: times if i think there's a dj on k rock who goes by the name sluggo i think uh, ah, yes. ron white has a dog who i think is named sluggo i've been asked all of these things and the name really came from none of them it just was something that was aesthetically pleasing to me
0: now you never have done something which I have done, and that's try to get out from under your early gaming tag. Why is that? You're obviously happy with it. You, you use it when you post. I, I, don't people? Don't some people even call you that informally, like to your face? You know,
1: it's it's kind of funny for the first few years. So, uh, I used that nickname for a while when I posted, or when I ran a website and posted on forums and such. And when I got hired by Gamespy, the culture of it was. That's what we all called each other. You know, I still, you know, uh, Dave Kosak, who some people may know from writing uh, on GameSpy and uh, is now at uh, Blizzard and wrote the Flitlock stuff, uh, we, you know, we still call him Fargo. And there are people who still call me Sluggo. And there are people in the office that for the first couple of years, you know, you, you would say, you know, what where's Dave? And they would go, who's Dave? Oh, <laughs> Fargo. Oh, that's Fargo's name? I didn't know that. You know, a lot of people in the office just referred to each other by their game names. That's the kind of culture it was. And, and it kind of helped that people didn't have ridiculous 17-character names. That, you
0: know, <laughs> With lots of numerals in them it, and whatnot. It would right. be kind
1: of hard to pull that off if people had names like Mouthful of Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a real tag? That's awesome. That was a, a nickname that went down in GameSpy lore that everyone had names like CRT or Dakota or Sluggo or Fargo, which are very easily pronounceable and, and almost you know, real names. Um, but when people came, we started hiring people from uh, outside, there were people from uh, outside the gamer culture. And, you know, we said everyone needs to have a nickname. And we had a little nameinator program that we put together. <laughs> and it just, you know, you've seen a hundred thousand of these programs now that generate all these nonsensical names from a list of, you know, a plus B. And we had somebody who we, I think we gave him the nickname mouthful of grandma and he quit like three days later. <laughs>
0: That's quite a hazing to go through. Uh, So let's go back early for you. Uh, I want to talk about you. You live out here in Southern California like me, but you're not from here. Uh, And I don't think that I would guess this about you unless you had told me Uh, you're from the East Coast. You are from Brooklyn, right? That is correct. Now, uh, did you leave Brooklyn when you were a tiny child or something? Because you don't strike me as the kind of guy from Brooklyn.
1: I left Brooklyn when I was almost 30, and I came out here for GameSpy. And it's funny. Some people totally pick out immediately that I have uh, some traces of a New York accent, and other people don't see it at all. Mm-hmm.
0: What is Brooklyn like? I've never been to New York. So, Brooklyn, all of that New York stuff is like a huge mythological land. It's like Narnia to me. Uh, tell me about Brooklyn.
1: Brooklyn's fantastic. Brooklyn is, it's, I mean, you can't really talk about Brooklyn without it being part of, you know, the, the greater area that encompasses New York and Queens. And you know, no one likes to talk about Staten Island, but you're connected to it by the bridge. There, um, it's it's now, now explain that to me. What's wrong with Staten Island? Why do no one? There's an old on? joke that you know people don't live in Staten Island; they live on Staten Island because they're all trying to get off Staten Island.
0: <laughs> so it's kind of like the uh, the whipping boy for New York. It is.
1: really is. It's sort of like the David Patterson of uh, of uh, <laughs> New York's boroughs.
0: I don't know who David Patterson That's got to be a sports reference, right? Or not.
1: He's, not. Uh, unless I'm getting his name wrong. He's, I believe he's the governor of New York right now and is on his way out. Ah,
0: okay, okay. So, so Brooklyn specifically, though, uh, I think of, I guess, isn't uh, Do the Right Thing set in Brooklyn? And there's a movie called Holy Rollers with Jesse Eisenberg playing an Orthodox Jew. I think that's set in Brooklyn. Like, I know Brooklyn from movies. There
1: are so many movies set in Brooklyn, and none of them were set where I lived. Ah, well, what was it like where you lived? I lived in a place called Marine Park, which is sort of the uh, a suburban, uh, kind of suburban south area of Brooklyn, down by Sheepshead Bay, not far from Rockaway. Um, I think when people see stuff about Brooklyn, they think of Park Slope, or they think of uh, of, of areas that weren't like mine. Mine was more of a traditional suburban type area. Mm-hmm. And was it hard to transition from
0: Brooklyn to Southern California when you were 30? It
1: was so not hard to transition It was, you know, when you spent your life You know, getting up at 6 in the morning and getting on a bus And going to a train and dealing with sleet and snow And <laughs> and you moved to California And I was fortunate that I lived 2 minutes away from my job And it's 75 degrees all year round And I had a 2 minute commute that was not hard to transition to at all
0: do you go? Do you, you must still have family and oh, yeah. friends in Brooklyn, yeah. Do. do
1: you go back much? Yeah, I'm going back in a few weeks, and I'll be back for Christmas as well. And I go back every once in a while to see the family, and I freeze now, my ass off, and then I want to get on a plane back to California. And you reappreciate our lack of weather out here,
0: yeah. Uh,
1: now, so this
0: this makes me wonder, Sal, and I I kind of hate that I that I go here, but again, because New York is, is such a mythological place for me, uh, it makes me want to ask, uh, where were you and how did you find out uh, about 9-11? You were obviously out here. Um, what, how did you discover that morning what was happening?
1: So, first of all, I'll apologize to anyone who's tuned in listen, wanting to hear about Rock Band and finds themselves hearing Sluggo's Tales of Brooklyn, but <laughs> you've actually hit on something kind of interesting. I worked in the World Trade Center for three years. Wow! Uh, and I worked on the 18th floor of World Trade Center One. I was working for a financial software company. And i, I told this story many times. Um, we, So I was working there when I was running my initial website that eventually led to me moving out to California. And I was the guy. Kind of what I was doing on the website was what I was doing in the office, which was downloading Quake 2 mods and Half-Life mods and turning everybody in the office onto them. Uh, we played a lot of Duke Nuku, We played a lot of Descent. Uh, Every night, you know, 6 o'clock, everyone would switch over, and we'd start playing all this crazy stuff. And at some point, we started trying to build a Counter-Strike map based on our floor plan of the office. And we went as far to the point where one of our our VPs actually got plans of the building, (laughs) and we couldn't figure out how to translate the two-dimensional blueprint to a three-dimensional Counter-Strike map. And we kind of (laughs) threw that aside and... I felt so bad about it later on that we, you know, we, we basically owned the 18th floor of that building, and that was where we, you know, the whole building, and it struck me later how much I wish we would have actually finished that and had this little recorded history of what that floor looked like. Sure. But uh, I left there in 99 uh, to come out to California, and thankfully, my company moved out of that building about six months before 9-11 happened. Uh, mm. And also, being in software development, nobody came to work before 10 o'clock. <laughs> So it was a kind of thing where people would, you know, show up around nine thirty, ten o'clock, and go home at ten o'clock at night. So when that actually happened, you know, they had moved down the street and nobody was even in the area. So uh, mm-hmm. I had found out I was actually up the uh, the night before working on a Madden review until three in the morning, and so I was sleeping in somewhat and got a phone call. Uh, I guess it was seven o'clock California time from my father who was you know completely freaking out and I re- really didn't comprehend what he was telling me. He's like, you know, everyone's okay. Everyone's all right. My, my mother worked across the street from the world trade center and actually saw the second plane hit. Um, my father from her job, she was at work. She was, there. she was in a train when the first plane hit, she was underground and they gave them some spiel like, Oh, we're sorry. It's a track fire. We'll have you guys out in a minute. And, uh, when the trains finally started running around, she walked outside just in time to see the second plane hit. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. uh, my uncle, who lived right near the Brooklyn Bridge, which was a five-minute run <laughs> from uh, where my mother worked, uh, she just tore ass to his place and you know hunkered down there for the rest of the day. So I was asleep when all this stuff was going on because it was... Uh, six in the morning, and I had just fallen right. asleep just before that. So my father calls me, and he's like, everyone's okay, everyone's fine. I had relatives who worked all over the city. He's like, everyone's accounted for, and I just didn't understand what the hell he was talking about. I was like, what, what is going on? He's like, the towers are gone. I was like, what do you mean the towers are like gone? What, is, what does that mean? <laughs> he's like, they attacked the World Trade Center. They're gone. They're just destroyed. They're rubble. And I think it took me about 15 minutes to actually comprehend what had just happened, that this building that I worked in that was, you know, 110 stories tall was no longer part of the skyline. So that was a a bizarre, bizarre day. Do you remember, like,
0: going to the TV and seeing it happen? And the reason I ask is because, you know, I I didn't live there. I don't have the resonance with it that you did. But a lot of that for me, that morning is kind of a blur. Like, I don't remember a lot of, uh, there was a sense of being in shock and, and a lot of it being kind of fuzzy to me. Do you have that reaction, or is it more vivid for you?
1: Um, well, like I said, I, I, by the time my father had called me and told me what had happened, both towers had collapsed. So mm-hmm. by the time I turned the TV on, you know, that had already happened, and it was now just a matter of, okay, now that it's the city is just filled with smoke and everybody is running for their lives and trying to figure out what had happened. Right. Um, so a lot of that week what I remember was coming to work and – you know, there was there was then the question of okay, we're 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 running a gaming website. What are we supposed to be doing during this? And it was, you know, how do we you know, we have X amount of employees, how do we keep everybody focused? You know, what what's appropriate right now, what's not appropriate, you know, do we bother still posting reviews? You know, and, and you know, so I wound up ghostwriting uh an editor's or a CEO letter that we posted uh, either that day or the day after, just kind of saying, hey, you know what? We we realize this is a big disaster, but you know, we're we're here as entertainment. We realize it's entertainment, and we're here if you guys need a break from whatever craziness is going on in the world around us. We're going to keep doing our job. And uh, that was... I think that I remember more about just trying to figure out what we were supposed to be doing and what was appropriate and what was not appropriate then. Uh, and I also remember bringing a small TV and parking it at my desk, <laughs> which was then, you know, tuned to CNN or whatever, probably more NBC uh, right. for the rest of that week. Now, uh, when when you go back, uh, does it look,
0: do you get a sense looking at the skyline? Like, do, it, do you still keenly feel the absence of the, the Twin Towers? Is that the, so something still weird to you?
1: The first time I went back, so this was um, September, obviously, that it happened, when I went back for Christmas that year, it was so noticeable. It felt like there was this just massive hole in the skyline that looked bizarre. And it was, you know, it was really sad looking at the skyline and realizing that something was wrong. And I think I actually felt worse as the years went on and I would go back and couldn't really pick out where the the World Trade Center was supposed to be. I felt mm. guilty like I was forgetting where it was supposed to be. And mm-hmm. felt bad about that, but I think as, as time went on, it was almost like, well, the skyline is what it is, and you know, you've almost kind of forgotten where the the towers were supposed to be, which which kind of bugged me. Right? Did it
0: affect? Uh, can you tell me a bit about some of the choices you made in the aftermath uh, at GameSpy about what things may and may not have been appropriate? And I ask because I remember things like. Uh, I think Konami sending out a little disclaimer with a Silent hill review copy and uh certain I think like the c and c game was delayed uh you know I just remember the games industry being a little more sensitive about violent content for for about a year it seems uh,
1: we i mean to be honest i don 't think we really had too many cases where we actually had to sit down and say what what exactly changes about our coverage of this uh mm-hmm. i don 't think we had i think we were always good about having writers who didn't say ridiculously stupid stuff <laughs> that, would, that would come across as uh, super offensive uh so it wasn't really a problem we had to deal with too much thankfully mm-hmm.
0: uh so uh okay, thank you for telling me about that i just uh as, as someone from new york i mean i i i love hearing these stories and i think they, they mean a lot and i love hearing about them from people who are there and who who have a connection with it with that part of the country so
1: i'll tell you one other quick story that still kind of freaks me out which Mm -hmm. was the i think a couple of months before my old company moved out i had still been going back to visit them every time i came back to new york and i was up in their office and so we had uh they told me hey we're going to be moving out in two months and so i stood there in our old building and looked out the window and said wow so this is the last time i'm ever going to be here not realizing that you know, not because moving, that was, but because the building would no longer be there. Right. People still, right. you know, they they called me up or, or sent me emails afterwards, saying, "Man, that that kind of freaked me out that you said that." And how <laughs> how true that actually was. It was kind of creepy that it it really was. Now, how did you end up? How does
0: a guy in New York who's running a, a quake related website get a job uh, in Southern California as a as a games journalist? How did that happen?
1: So I was running. Uh, a hosted site on planet quake called mod central which was basically just me writing about quake two mods and half-life mods and uh it was basically what i was doing with the people in the office where i was finding mods and i was trying to explain to people how to play them <laughs> <laughs> which which was really like these like if you ever read a a, a readme file or a text file for one of these mods they were almost <laughs> incomprehensible to figure out it was so it was, I was sort of translating it into English for my coworkers to figure out, and built a website that basically did the same thing, and I got contacted by some people at Planet Quake, and they said, hey, you know, we'd like to host you, and I got hosted, and the site did moderate traffic. It wasn't like some big, you know, internet success, but it was doing pretty good traffic on Planet Quake, and uh, I got a ICQ, I think at the time, or whatever the popular IMing program was for the, the period. From uh, one of the guys saying, you know, we we're expanding GameSpy and we need adults. <laughs> <laughs> like we're, they, I think GameSpy was about fifteen people at the time the conversation started, and they're, they're like, you know, we were, we're expanding a lot. We got a lot of big plans. GameSpy was just getting its first or second round of funding, and like, you know, we 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 really need some adults to come out here and, and help us manage this operation, and you know, are you interested? And at the time I had no interest. I I absolutely couldn't possibly imagine moving cross country. I mean, I loved my job. I -hmm. I absolutely loved my job, loved the people I worked with. And they were like, well, you know, Hey, we're going to fly you out and we'll do an interview and then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see what you think. And never occurred to me that they would ever make me an offer that would make me want to move cross country and leave my family and friends. And, uh, you know the the first offer they gave me was pretty much what i was expecting and said you know i can't i can't possibly move for that and then uh we kept talking and they were like you know we really want you to move out here and they they made me some offers that said you know i may actually have to do this <laughs> and it was and i i told my ceo this you know when uh we during one of our mergers and he was departing i said you know it was a decision that changed my life so much for the better i couldn't thank him enough for it
0: and now, since then, you uh, you now work, you have one foot on the dark side, Sal. You kind of are in... You're a consultant now, wouldn't you say? That is correct. So... Explain, I know you can't talk specifics because you you get hired to work privately for generally a game developer, publisher, you sign NDAs and whatnot, but tell us basically without violating any NDAs, what do you do for uh, game companies now?
1: So I think there's probably a lot of people on the podcast who are familiar with this because it's something that a lot of, of game journalists have gone into. Uh, it could be anything as simple as a mock review where PR people will want to get some sort of heads up on what the reviews are going to be like before the reviews come in, mm-hmm. uh, or it could be and in some cases i 've gone to developers i 've gone and seen demos where they 're trying to get a feel for a media reaction before they actually show something off to the media, or it may even be early enough that they 'll say, "You know what do you think of this demo? Will anybody care about this? What do we need to tweak? what do we you know what 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 is the media going to latch onto here, and what is the media going to collectively yawn at?" Mm-hmm. So it's sort of it's sort of PR people trying to keep one step ahead of the media, which I guess if you put it that way it does make it sound a little bit on the dark side.
0: You you are you like I said you have one foot over there, Sal. We we might lose you. You might go full full bore dark side for
1: all we know. No, I I don't think you're going to see me doing <laughs> PR anytime soon. <laughs> uh, what do you miss about uh,
0: managing? Uh, wayward reviewers and copy editing and deadlines and all that stuff
1: (laughs) wayward reviewers what are you talking about
0: (laughs) i just can't imagine what what a pain in the butt it must be having to like round up freelancers and deal with staff writers. i don't know it just seems like uh a thankless job i'm lucky enough right now the job i do i i manage and consist entirely of the staff like i am the staff Uh, (laughs) uh there have been times where i have had to wrangle other writers, and I just remember it being uh, very difficult. Um, so there must be some things about your job you don't miss. Am I right?
1: Um, I, I, I actually I think I miss the people more than anything. I'm not really sure what I don't miss. Uh, I liked a lot of things about my old job. Um, I think there was a constant struggle, and I think it's going to be true no matter where you go, with the constant uh, uh, pursuit of traffic which is always yeah. trying to keep in the back of your head. You know, there's always a, a debate where, you know, why aren't people doing more of this type of coverage? Why aren't people doing more of that type of coverage? It's because no one reads it. It's because, you know, right. you, you sit down and you do this this really in-depth piece and no one else is doing anything like it, and 30 people, you know, click on it. Whereas, you know, you could put a picture of Halo next to a picture of someone in a bikini, and it'll do 20 <laughs> times that traffic. And, you know, so there, there is a business end to it that, kind of sucks because the stuff that you think is interesting often is not the stuff that's going to drive traffic the the average gamer wants to see you know oh why do reviews need scores well because that's what the average halo gamer cares about that's what the black ops guy cares about he wants to see a black ops review with a score and then he wants to move on he wants to look at some boobs (laughs) <laughs> he, you know, he, he doesn't want to hear, he doesn't want to read four pages of really in-depth design analysis. He just he, he just wants to hear if it sucks or not and then shoot people.
0: Do you have a, an URL where I can find these these bikini pictures next to the Halo screenshots? Because I'd, I'd like to check that out. I, so. I'm
1: sure if you type boobs into your browser, <laughs> you may get three or four hits.
0: I'm going to type in boobs and
1: Halo and I, see what comes up. And I will. <laughs> After your PC crashes, you can call me back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So you mentioned having been a professional
0: musician, which explains a lot uh, for what we're about to talk about. Before we get into some rock band, uh, explain to me, what's this about being a professional musician? And that's kind of cheating, by the way, in rock band. Uh, So what is your background as as a professional musician?
1: What's that? So I, I started taking piano lessons when I was six. I uh-huh. screamed and yelled at my mother how non-interested I was in it, and I still thank her to this day for making me go. Uh, I stopped playing when I was about nine, and I picked it up again when I was about 14 years old in high school and you know made the connection that being in a band was cool and would help you get girls. And uh-huh. quickly realized that I could actually figure out stuff like Aha! Uh-huh, and Jump! And, you know, I, I I realized that I had a, a pretty good year for learning stuff quickly. And then because nobody played keyboards, you know, the eight different bands that had, you know, a guitarist, a bassist, and a drummer in my school all wanted me to come play with them. So I, I kind of became like a the keyboardist, that, uh, you know, who would drift over from one band to the other. And I, I had a regular <laughs> band, but then other bands were like, could you come and help us out with this stuff? We need, like, someone to come and play keyboards on this demo that we're doing. And so, you know... Ooh, it was you know midnight somewhere in a really dodgy recording studio and trying to stay awake and, and play you know one note on a keyboard. Oh, we really want this one string. We go me. <laughs> it's like, and you know, it, it was fun. What was the name
0: of your full time band?
1: Oh, I think. Oh, can you not remember? Come the, on. I think the very first band I was in was called mm-hmm. Silent Rage. <laughs> Which is which is about as great as a ridiculous band name as you're going to come up with.
0: It is pretty good. Uh, what? Uh, how long did you do this for? Was this just a high school phase yeah, thing? Is, Obviously not. Because go ahead.
1: So, uh, so I played in in bands in high school, and then I started picking up guitar, and then uh, there was a phase where I think I, I kind of didn't play too much when I was in college. And then sort of towards the end of college, I started getting into it more and actually started seeking out bands to, to do original stuff because I was starting to, to write. So uh, I had one band that uh, I probably spent more time than any other band called Working Class, which is yet another you know useless name, <laughs> if you're going to call anything. Um, you know, that one works, though, Sal, because it's not pretentious. I like
0: Working <laughs> Class. Well, well done. Come
1: on, Silent Rage is a great 80s band name.
0: Can, uh, can, I rest. I rest my case. You can,
1: you can see the high hair and everything. I think it is exactly perfect for that. Um, so I was so at this point now. I was in a band that was doing originals. I was also playing in a in a bar band, playing mostly keyboards, but also playing some guitar, which really, really sucks for a bar band because. You know, when you're a singer, you show up with a microphone and a mic stand. And when you're the guy that plays everything else, you show up with two keyboards, a stand, two guitars, an amp. You know, you, you basically need a small bus to bring all your shit around. And That's, at 4 o'clock in the morning when you're you're done playing, the last thing you want to do is untangle 75 cables. And, you know, you, it's... Don't you have roadies for that,
0: though? Your roadies manage all that stuff, don't this they? This isn't
1: Van Halen, dude. <laughs>
0: Uh where did uh drums come into play? Cuz don't you also don't you also kick ass on drums in rock band 3?
1: Uh I I had the Ion kit for a while and I could do well with it because uh one of the bands I was in we we owned a little rehearsal didn't you know and we uh we rented a rehearsal studio that was basically there was a building in Queens called the Queens Music Building and it was basically this run down 20 story or something uh, apartment complex that was just all rented out by bands. So every place in there was like this little one-room apartment, and every band had all their music stuff shoved in there. And I would show up at rehearsal a half an hour early just to play drums for a while. Mm. So I kind of learned to play drums from doing that. I uh, I was good enough that if I went to visit a friend's band and they yelled at me to come play drums on a song, I could fake it, but... That wasn't the kind of thing anyone was going to be hiring me me to do. Uh, I spent a lot of time also doing session stuff where I was doing Latin recordings, rap recordings, just doing all sorts of weird production stuff, and I'd actually get hired for that. No one was hiring me to play drums. (laughs) Okay, so three quick questions
0: come to mind here, Sal. Uh, First of all, uh, all of the, this musical talent. It, excuse me. It sounds like you have this uh, this genetic predisposition to be good at music that people like me are missing. Uh,
1: is this in your parents? Do your folks have a musical background? Um, my father uh, sings doo-wop music, and that's about it. No one in my no one else in my family plays an instrument of any kind.
0: Must be a recessive gene or something. Uh,
1: okay. It's
0: the other thing. So you mentioned uh, being in college. Uh, what did you study in college? What what was your major?
1: I never really figured out what I wanted to do in college. I jumped from one major to another and ended up with a liberal arts degree, and that was about it. I uh, went to NYU Mm -hmm. and never uh, never really finished a major there.
0: Okay, and the other thing I want to ask you, you mentioned writing. Are you talking about, like, writing songs or writing articles, or you said something about when you were in college and doing writing?
1: Oh, music writing. I'm sorry.
0: Does that mean writing music, like yeah. making up music, yeah, I, like lyrics and everything? Yeah. You wrote poetry.
1: I I sang poetry.
0: Uh huh. Do you have you gone back and looked at any of your songs? And if so, was it supremely em- embarrassing?
1: Um, I would say that the you know maybe like the first couple of songs that I wrote were every song you write. And Tom, you should know this as a writer. Anything you write and you look back on at some point, you look at it and you go, I could have done this better. You, any right. anything you look anything that you've written in any format you look at later and go ah oh, i could have done this better i could have done that better <laughs> in varying degrees and it's the same way with music you you write a song and you go wow you know this is this was completely cheesy you know these lyrics were dumb you know this i can't believe i thought these chords went well together <laughs> this, this transition makes no sense at all
0: now, do you still play music? I mean, I know you're big into rock band. Uh, has Do you still have music as a creative outlet outside of rock band, or is it kind of focused on the video game music right now?
1: I, I don't play in a band or anything, but I still have a little studio set up here. So uh, I do have instruments. In fact, in the room I have sitting around here, I have a Yamaha mo 8 I have a – now I'm going to get up and look around. I actually have an M-Audio That's... controller. Uh, I have a Strat, I have a, an old Carvin guitar sitting here, a bunch of amps, uh, <coughs> a Roland, or a couple of a uh, couple of sound modules, so there's, a, there's a, fair enough of, a fair amount of musical gear sitting around here right now.
0: Do you still write music?
1: No, I haven't really written too much music lately. I kind of, uh, uh, every time I, I want to get back into it, I start learning some new software to, to compose with, and get fed up with it and give up.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's talk then about fake music. You, uh, everybody, what what the heck, Sal, is the deal with you being so good at Rock Band 3? There are plenty of musicians out there who play Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Why are you so good at those? What's going on? <laughs> I I don't know. Aren't you like, like, you're one of those, you're like at the top of leaderboards and whatnot. I mean, you're not just some, you're not just like one of the guys on Quarter to 3 who's really good. Uh, like like your skill at these games transcends our small community here and applies to the community at large, right? Like, aren't you super good, aren't you super high on leaderboards, like, globally?
1: I am, so I think at the moment I am, I think, 20th on Pro Keys and 10th on Expert Vocals, and I'm not sure where I am on guitar right now because I finished guitar a couple, about a week ago. And then haven't really touched it since, so I'm not sure how far I've fallen down that leaderboard. So that's like in the world. What the hell? That's insane. <laughs> um I I absolutely think that the musical background helps with it a lot. Um mm-hmm. it's definitely so it it definitely helps with vocals. Um, if you know those songs already, that's going to be a big help. Um, there are aspects of playing expert guitar where, you know, if you grew up playing, you know, learning to play Iron Maiden and Metallica and Anthrax songs, you already kind of have the alt-strumming aspect of the game down. So there are, there are certain mechanics that if you're a musician, you can kind of translate over pretty quickly. Uh, pro keys, I find that if I didn't know how to play keyboards... And didn't have you know some working musical knowledge, it would be a disaster trying to figure that out right now. You know, there's you, the the Bon Jovi pack came out yesterday, and a lot of that, you know, it's it's figuring out. Okay, well I know that the first chord is an A minor, and I can kind of figure out the rest of the song from there. Wow. So. Wow.
0: That's just insane to me, okay we realize you're talking to a musical retard here so I, I don't I go, describe for me discovering these games when did you first play Guitar Hero the very first one so
1: it's actually if, if you if you do a search it's actually kind of documented uh, uh, Fargo had uh, back at, at the old Game spy days had discovered Guitar Hero and I had never heard of it even you know when we you know, I had not even noticed it existed at E3 that year, uh, so the game had come out, I don't know, October or something like that of 2005, I believe it was, and Fargo had picked it up, and he was like, you need to try this game out, and really, no one you know, at GameSpy had, had much idea about any musical background that I had, he was like, this game is just awesome, and I'm telling everybody I know about it. <laughs> So uh I picked it up and started screwing around with it. And so this is, you know, this is really kind of cool and started playing more and more of it and got to a point where I was playing uh, Bark at the Moon on expert. And that was the point where everyone was like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "I can't play Bark at the Moon on medium. What do you mean you're playing it on expert?" So then we got to a point where we had a a party at Fargo's house and I was playing it behind my head as <laughs> As a goof, and Fargo wrote a little. He wrote a little article about that, leaving my name out of it. But it was kind of a, a goofy, a goofy story. And it was. It was At, at that point, we realized that I was. Uh, I had some knack for the game that was a little more than normal. Now
0: you. Uh, so so from there, uh, d- do you? Did you? Were you like on board with the series all along? Like you always were, were into the Guitar Heroes and
1: Rock bands? I So I would say I got into it, you know, about a month or two after the first Guitar Hero came out. And then uh, I went through the entire game, and I finished it. And mm-hmm. then, you know, like you do at most games, you finish a game and you put it aside. And I kind of wish there was more to do with it. It was like, all right, I beat this game on Expert. There's nothing more to do with it. It's on a PS2. There's no online play. There's no leaderboards. There's nothing, you know, I've... I've, I've done what I've done, and, and the game is over. And then I discovered there was a website called Score Hero, All right. which I think everyone, or not everyone, but a lot of people are probably familiar with now. But back then was probably a community of a few hundred people, and it was really kind of genius that the, the concept of the site was, we've built scoreboards for this game. And you upload your score, and, you know, if you think you've got, you know, a score that's going to be in the top ten, we've got an interface for you to upload a photo with it uh, to kind of prove your score. But for the most part, they worked on the honor system. It was like, here's a place for you to upload your scores. And all of a sudden you realized you know, the the nine million career score that I had in Guitar Hero, there was now something more to shoot for. There was now this metagame on top of it where it's like, I'm not just trying to to beat my own scores in a vacuum. There's actually a community of people who are all trying to, you know, reach 10 million or reach 11 million. And, you know, I could be in the top 100 on Cowboys from Hell if I could just figure out the solo. Mm -hmm. And it also kind of alerted you to the fact that stuff that you thought was impossible, that there were other people actually able to do it. And that kind of encouraged you to play more of it. So...
0: Was there anything that you thought was impossible, like you, you were probably were there any songs that people were getting scores on that that you Salacardo would look at it and think, "Wow, how did that happen
1: there were, there were definitely points where I had put the game aside and, and not really had more interest in playing it and then saw the kind of scores people had on Bark at the Moon or Cowboys from Hell, and put a little more practice into it and then you know added another one hundred thousand to my score like you know, almost you know, doubled or added you know fifty percent more to my score after realizing what was possible. Uh,
0: now, at your level of play, is that a matter of stuff like like the strategic decision about when to use star power? Is that pretty much how you finesse that
1: uh not really. At that point is a matter of of just not giving up on a section that you think is ridiculously hard and realizing you know other people are actually hitting all of this stuff. I should try to hit this too uh and then just putting more practice into it. Oh so even guys like you cuz here's the thing that
0: I I guess I don't really appreciate you guys aren't necessarily 100%ing these expert level guitar things like you guys actually miss notes as well and 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 reset your multiplier oh yeah absolutely Ah, you know what? I feel a little better now, Sal. <laughs> uh, so it really is a matter of just not missing that note, resetting your multiplier. It's a matter of just getting the streak up high. It's the same thing I'm trying to do, just at a higher level. In, right? in that
1: first game, it was it was probably the hardest of any of them because the hammer ons and pull offs didn't work. So people missed notes all over the place. You know, now we're what do you mean they didn't work? What, like they
0: were they were actually broken.
1: The, the hammer on pull off system was more of a rumor than a working concept. <laughs> In Guitar Hero 1, one of the biggest improvements that Harmonix made from Guitar Hero 1 to 2 was actually implementing a, a, a hammer-on system that really worked, that you you felt, you know... It, there were notes in Guitar Hero 1 that were supposed to be hammer-ons, and no one tried them. You just strummed every single note and tried to hit every single note with strumming it. And in Guitar Hero 2, you could actually you know, not strum notes and hit them pretty consistently. Uh, So that was one of the biggest deals, you know. So in that first game, people missed notes all over the place. And it wasn't until, so Guitar Hero 2, you know, introduced a working hammer-on system. And then Guitar Hero 3, which a lot of people thought went too far and went with really super relaxed windows where people started getting 100% on the entire game.
0: Now, do you, explain to me, I have a dumb question for you. I know what a hammer-on is. It's so the little half notes where you don't have to strum. You just hit the, the button with your finger on, on the fret. What is a
1: pull-off? Uh, so a hammer-on is the first half of that sequence, and then the pull-off is the second note. So, um, Well, I don't understand then why it's called
0: a hammer-on or pull-off. It seems like a hammer-on means you just hammer on the button with the fret.
1: So it kind of comes from a, a, pro- a real guitar technique where... A hammer-on is where you don't actually strum the note, but you play the note by just pressing on it with your finger. And then a pull-off is when you play a note without strumming it by pulling your hand off a string. Um, okay. And if this makes so, if this makes any sense, I will actually pull out a guitar here. And oh yes, please do. I would love sound effects. Yes. <laughs> you had a key, you had a keyboard going
0: earlier too. So any keyboard things you want to point out, please do.
1: All right. So this is strumming a real note. And then here's hammering on a note. So the first note I'm hammering on, and then the second note is from me pulling the string with my first finger, and my second finger is already, st- is already fretting this note. So. And that <laughs> that that's awesome. going to sound so awful when we do this. <laughs> It'll sound a little tinny, but we can hear the technique.
0: That's going, to, that's going to sound so awful. So, by the way, Sal, you just cleared up for me. I always assumed that hammer ons were one thing and pull offs were something else, and I was only doing half of them. You know,
1: I, uh, I, now that you're saying it, I'm not even sure if the analogy is completely correct for a rock band. Uh, <laughs> hammer ons, for sure, are. You know, you're you're just you, you play the first note, which is a, a full bar note in rock band, and then you see the little half notes. Which you don't have to strum for, and I'm not really sure where the pull-off part comes. I think it's just kind of a uh, an analogy that people have have made between the two of them. Okay, I just wanted to make sure there wasn't some whole
0: gameplay dynamic I was I was missing, and I don't seem to. So that leads me to another question, Sal. I have maintained, and I would love for you to prove me wrong. That these really aren't games in the sense that we think of games these days. Uh, You know, Sid Meier famously said that uh, a video, a game is something uh, is a series of interesting decisions or choices. Um, And we think of when we talk about gameplay and shooters or strategy games, we have a whole list of criteria in our head for what that involves. And I have felt that the Guitar Hero games don't really do that. Um, there are certainly scoring, but most people don't play these as games so much as as an alternative way to enjoy music. Um, tell me that I'm wrong. Disagree with me on that. You are so wrong. Okay, rock uh, so and roll. I,
1: I completely, I, I completely get that people enjoy these games as a way to enjoy music, and I think that's one of the the great things about the games is that they they can be enjoyed in so many different ways. Uh, I think one of the criminal things about the series is that they don't get recognized enough for being games. I think that, you know, the, the great thing, you know, right from the beginning with Guitar Hero 1 and 2, you realize that, you know, when you're playing I Love Rock and Roll, which is a pretty simple song, Guitar Hero 1, the difference between, you know, being, you know, in the top 100 and being in the top 1,000 was using the right star power path. Mm-hmm. you know you know accumulating star power and then using it at the right time there was a, an entire forum on score hero dedicated to optimal paths so you know you get two star powers and then you use it at this point and then you get three more star powers and you use it right at this point and that's how you optimize your score and when it came time especially when you were doing competitive play you know that was you know that's a game that's not just two people just rocking out there is You know, I'm going to use star power here, and you're going to use star power there, and we're going to see which one of us ends up with the higher score. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't even have to be head to head competitive play. It was, you know, when you have 10,000 people all trying to put up the highest score, they were all trying to figure out the exact note where they'll, you know, if I deploy star power here and I deploy star power there, what will give me the optimal score? And at that point, it's, I mean, it's completely a game it's you know if you're if you're playing for score and every guitar hero game that's ever been invented has had a score tracking system you know that ultimately that's what you're trying to do you're trying to get the highest score that you can and there is a, a lot of strategy involved with trying to get those high scores and i think that a lot of people you know kind of dismiss that angle of the the guitar hero and rock band games there is a, a science to it and it's it's a very If you're really interested in it, there's a very deep game there that you can keep playing a lot of. Now, so, what I would
0: say to that, uh, and I completely agree, and I absolutely get what you're saying, is that when you're talking about there being a deep science, that is something that I think is, I don't want to say lost on, because it makes it sound like the game is squandered, but that's something that a lot of us who aren't at that level don't really appreciate. It's not really open to us. Like, we sit down and we play it and we enjoy it for the music and for the mechanics and for the feel of pretending we're, we're playing guitar, but I, it seems to me for a lot of people who play these games, they don't quite reach that level. Uh, like I've been playing these games ever since they've been out. I, I love them, but I've, have for me, it's a matter of can I finish this song on hard? Can I maybe try this one on expert? Uh, can I maybe drum this one on medium? Uh, it's always sort of trying to get to the end of a song, and I don't, I don't feel like in all these years. I've really gotten to the point where I can tap into that science that you're talking about. So I
1: guess this is a good question for me to ask you is, do you ever feel uh-huh. that you want to, you know, you can, if you can play on medium proficiently, do you ever feel like you want to try and max out your scores on medium? Yes. Well, so here's the thing, Sal. Yes. Absolutely. Like, I am a
0: sucker for scores. I I fall prey to that, and the fact that that's in this game is a huge draw for me. Uh, but it seems like there's a long, shallow learning curve in, in Rock Band, and that's part of the beauty of it. And it, I have never reached a high enough point on that learning curve where I, I feel like, It's anything more than a fluke when I get a higher score. Like I know on some songs I can learn enough to save up star power to reach this point. Um, But I just feel like there's so much there in that long shallow learning curve that I've never stopped at one point in the learning curve to really plumb the scientific aspect of it. To really dig into gameplay and and the strategy uh, that, that you're talking about. Uh, and I just wonder if that's the case for most people that that play. Uh,
1: I wonder the same thing to be honest i you know I to me, I'm at the opposite end where I realize there are people who are playing it as an outlet to enjoy music, and the game part is very much secondary or even tertiary to them, and mm-hmm. as someone who actually plays multiple instruments, you know that's that's not what I get out of rock band, you know I think that. There are certain moments when you're playing, you know, I, I mean, right from the beginning, Bark at the Moon was a lot of fun to play because it felt a lot like playing the song on guitar. It was, you know, you're, you're going through the same strumming mechanic. But that was almost like it took a backseat to, you know, trying to better my score on it. Mm-hmm.
0: Now you, you and I saw eye to eye on uh, Guitar Hero: Warriors of Rock, the, the recent Activision release. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you thought
1: that brought to the table. I think that the uh, I think the biggest problem the games are having right now, the music uh, genre in general, is. They're 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 sticking to the same old formula, and I think people are kind of bored with it. Um, it's it's still the same. Hey, you know, keep a streak going, and every ten notes will increase your multiplier to times two, and times three, and times four. And we've got this other mechanic called Star Power or Overdrive, and you know, if you if you save that up and deploy it, you'll get a, a double multiplier out of that. And your goal is to get the highest score that you can. And I think that nobody has really played with that formula too much for the last five years, and people are kind of bored with it. Uh, And I think Warriors of Rock actually tried to start noodling with that formula where they built that quest mode and said, okay, so you're going to play this tier of songs, and your multiplier is going to go to times six, or you're going to get star power on a perpetual basis for every ten notes you hit in a row. And all of a sudden, it's almost like giving you little cheat codes for each song. And I think I think you played through enough of it. I'm not sure if you if you got to the end, but you know by the time you got to the last tier you were playing with eight different cheat codes and you're putting up scores with you know forty stars you know it was it was kind of ridiculous. It was sort of like you know playing with quad damage you know it it was <laughs> <coughs> you know so you, you weren't you weren't quite playing the old format. it wasn't like I'm gonna play through all of these songs you know, and I'm going to get traditional scores, and then I'm going to have to play through them all again in quick play mode. They actually started screwing around with the with the formula a little bit, and I thought that's something that the genre could really use right now. Um, you know, I, I've said this before. I think that the thing that I would love to play right now is sort of a, a rhythm game RPG where, you know, you a level one gig is your typical gig, and then as you move along, you know, you, you have a goal which is, you know, we need you need to score a million points on this song, but to help you get a million points on it, you know, you're now level three, and, you know, you have tripled the score stuff that you had before. And, you know, if if that's not enough, well, you keep playing, and eventually you'll be level four or level five, and your scores will keep going up, and then you can beat this score. And we'll give you, you know, gear that lets you, you know, maintain a streak longer or give you higher multipliers or do all, you know, there's a lot of, of nifty stuff that would, you know, get you beyond... Here's a song, get a high score.
0: I, I can think of almost no genre that hasn't been touched by that RPG level grinding mechanic, except for music games. Yeah, you're right. A, a,
1: a Call of Duty is probably the the best analog, where they took, you know, hey, here's a shooter, you go online, you shoot people, and they built this gigantic RPG element to it where everything you do, you know, gives you XP and unlocks more stuff, and doesn't necessarily unlock better stuff, but different stuff. It's like, here's, you can do something differently now. Here's a new, you know, automatic rifle, here's some some new weapons, here's some new perks. And, you know, I think that that did a great, it it went a long way to revitalizing the multiplayer for that game. And a lot of other people, I think, have kind of tied into that. And it's something that would help the rhythm games a lot, I think.
0: Now, when you play uh, Rock Band 3, do you miss that that shtick from Guitar Hero: Warriors of Rock?
1: Not really. I think it was it was fun for a one time playthrough, but I have never really felt much urge to go back and play through Quest Mode again because there is no RPG element to it. It's something you beat once and you're finished with it once. And I think what people really want now people have five, six hundred, seven hundred songs in Rock Band, and I think they just want something interesting to do with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what killed it for me. Sal was I, I loved that that gameplay paradigm in Warriors of Rock, but it for me it's the song list. Like I can't really see past that. Uh, and the whole time I was playing Warriors of Rock, I was thinking, Wow, I can't wait to to get to the the downloadable song. All these downloadable songs I've got for a rock band. Uh, how how important is that to you? By the way, like you seem as someone who really embraces the gameplay mechanics of it, the science of it. How important is it to you that you like the song?
1: I think there's a limit, which uh, I might have a higher threshold than some people, but there is a limit (laughs) at which I just don't want to play a song anymore. I just never want to play Freebird again. (sighs) How dare you? It's fun in a band setting, but (laughs) playing it solo on guitar has been the the most annoying thing going for you. It's like, all right, we're going to play this song on guitar. We're going to have you sit around for four minutes and do nothing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, here's your... <laughs> oh, shit, there's, there's nothing going on in that song until the solo. And, you know, when all you're trying to do is improve your score and you have to sit through four minutes and then you screw up the first part of the solo, you don't want to play the song again. And <laughs> the Guitar Hero games have done a horrible job over the years of picking some awful long songs. You know, you can put up with a song if it's short. You know, the right. fish song that's in Rock Band 3, in my opinion, is an awful, awful rock band song. It's just, it's terrible on every instrument. It's just, it's... What's it called? What is uh, it? Llama. <laughs> <Perhaps> oh, God. Perhaps <laughs> fittingly enough, maybe. Um, I think it's an awful rock band song. I'm not saying it's an awful song, but as far as, you know, the parts are are scattered and weird and, and offbeat, and it's... Uh, It's just not a fun song to play on. Every instrument I've tried it on so far. But at least it's short. It's three and a half minutes. So, you know, you can... If you want to try and get better at it, you're not putting in a ten-minute commitment. You have a song like Radar Love, which is six-plus minutes long, and, you know, if you're trying to learn that on Pro Keys and it has almost no keyboard parts in it, you kind of fall asleep for a while, and then all of a sudden you have to do something and you screw it up, and you go... (laughs) i don't want to i don't want to sit through this again, and it's like that for Freebird. It's like you know I, I really don't want to sit through four minutes of nothing to screw something up and then you know have to start all over from the beginning so I, I, have, a, I, have, a, I have a limit where if, if if a song is really long and boring, you know I don't want to be part of it, and Guitar Heroes had a lot of those songs over the years. They had that Ted Nugent song, which was just god awful you know as as a as a playable song. It just wasn't any fun at all, and you know, it's, you, you, as I was trying to import stuff into Guitar Hero Six or, or Warriors of Rock, the, the official name, you know, I kept thinking, oh, you know what song I'd really love to play? Oh, they didn't get the rights to import that. Oh, actually, I'd love to play this. Oh, they, I can't import yeah. that one either. It seemed like all the good songs got locked up, and and a few of those were probably because of Rock Band Three, where, you know. I, everyone's opinions will differ. I thought Beast and the Harlot was one of the most fun songs that's ever been in any of these games. And it was in Smash Hits, but then it wasn't importable, probably because it's in Rock Band 3 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kept thinking, ah, I want to play this. Oh, it's not there. Now,
0: are there songs that, from a gameplay perspective, that you look at them at the note charts or whatever, and you're like, ah, this isn't, this isn't very good, but that you just love the actual song so much that makes up for that?
1: Um, off the top of my head, I can't really say that. I would say that if it's not fun to play, then I'll just go write something and listening to it on my computer. Then, <laughs> then <laughs> if it's not fun to play, then it's not fun to play.
0: Okay. Uh, well, then, do you have a favorite, a flat-out favorite song? You probably can't answer this. I can't imagine you have an easy answer. I think this. it's zero.
1: That's going to vary from day to day. I think you have a. Everyone has like their favorite song of the moment, which is okay. Well, here we are. Yeah. Part of the beauty of, uh, of rock bands DLC strategy is that they keep releasing new songs all the time. And obviously, every song they release isn't going to be loved by everybody. But they release so much stuff that eventually you will uh, you'll you'll find something you really like to play.
0: All right, so here we are. It's 5.30 p.m., Wednesday, November 10th. What are your current favorite songs of the moment?
1: All right, then we'll turn. Name that tune on you. You ready? Sure. Oh, God. No, I can't. Wait. Oh, that sounds familiar. Do that Keep going. (laughs) Oh, my God. I
0: know that. Whatever that is. Uh... Can you, can you give me a hint? What's a synonym for the name? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't give you a synonym for the name. It'll be too obvious. Okay, if you tell me the band, will I get it? Uh, I think it's 50-50, so I'll give you the band name. Bon Jovi. Okay. Oh, you know what? I'm not a
0: Bon Jovi fan, but it's been, I've been inculcated with Bon Jovi because I grew up during that time. So I know a lot of Bon, bon Jovi, but I couldn't tell you the song. So I'm sure I've heard that before. It, you know what? My, whenever my friends are over and we're playing rock band and they want to play Bon Jovi, I just roll my eyes. Uh, but what is that Bon Jovi song? See,
1: that's the beauty of Bon Jovi is that even though you don't like it, everybody you know wants to play it. <laughs> well, I think, and I have to confess, Sal, once it gets playing, I'm like, yeah, this song's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, that was Runaway, which was uh, part of the DLC release yesterday. And now is it
0: currently uh, Salicardo's favorite song because you love Bon Jovi or because you, you are digging doing the keyboard? That, that
1: is not really a favorite Bon Jovi song of mine at all. It's just such a fun chart that uh, it's, it's, just mm-hmm. a, it's just a lot of fun to play. And it, it probably took me about a good half an hour to figure out what the hell the parts were, even though I can play it for real. You know, so... We'll get into that eventually, I guess, but
0: uh, it's... Well, let's get into that. So the the pro modes, I presume, and I don't know because I can't... can't, There's not a single song I've tried to play pro mode because I can't even get through the tutorials on them. It's really daunting for me. It's kind of exciting thinking, you know, one day I'm going to figure some of this out. But isn't pro mode something that just by knowing how to actually
1: play the song, you can do? Uh... From what I've seen so far, not really. So I guess my question for you is... How, mm-hmm. i mean you you kind of answered it, but how much promo mode stuff have you done so far if at all so very little uh once i uh
0: you know I've tried the tutorials and they're they're pretty good as far as just like on the keyboards, for instance, just having you run scales uh and just on the keyboard
1: or have you tried the guitar as well
0: I've tried the guitar uh the guitar I cannot wrap my head around I'm so used to the the scrolling notes just being uh the colors where I put my fingers, so once I'm having to like shift x and y axes for the frets like i just fall apart at that so i can't do anything there it was cool picking the strings um but i'm utterly confounded by the guitar pro mode uh the keyboard pro mode i I will probably dig into some more at some time and i don't have enough symbols to try the drums pro mode but i do have that ion rocker kit thing um so that's my exposure to pro mode uh utterly confounding but something that i i do want to at some point fiddle around with
1: um, so I'm, I'm kind of torn on the, on the pro modes. I think the drums are, they, they almost don't even deserve to be called pro mode because it's just two extra symbols. I think, or two or three extra symbols, and there's not really as much of a leap there as there is with the other instruments. The other instruments have completely different interfaces, and the pro drums are just sort of like, hey, we've got seven things for you to play instead of five. Right. So uh, I consider the guitar and the, the keyboards to be the real the quote-unquote pro stuff.
0: Well, now, before we talk about guitar and keyboards, let me talk about drums. Because aren't drums the closest... As far as like playing drums, that's the instruments that, that is the closest analog to what you're actually doing in the real world, isn't it? Like, doesn't it have the shortest distance to go to pro mode?
1: I would say, yeah, that and vocals are the, the sh- right. shortest distance. Um, I, still have, I still think there's a basic disconnect with the way you play hi-hat in rock band and the way you'd play hi-hat in the real world where
0: now what's a hi-hat is it just a symbol yeah that? The,
1: the hi-hat is the, the 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 main components of a drum kit you'll have a kick drum and then you'll have your snare and you'll have your hi-hat which people usually keep you know the, the basic beat with and the hi-hat and the snare drum are usually played in sort of a crossover fashion where mm-hmm. it, it, you can imagine someone playing drums they're playing that little symbol off to the the left of the snare drum that's your your hi-hat and mm-hmm. The positioning of the hi hat in Rock Band is completely different than the positioning of it in a in a real drum kit. So even with the I had the Ion drum kit for a while and it, it still it didn't quite feel like real drums to me. It was there's definitely some some you know so analogs there where you're you're hitting stuff in time with the music, uh, but the the hi hat thing kind of bothered me a little bit. That you know even okay. when they moved to Pro mode. For me, the real pro mode is when they put all the drums where they're supposed to be, and then you're you're really playing them the right way.
0: Which, it, which you're saying it does, or doesn't
1: do? uh, So far, it does not.
0: Okay. Now, you say you, you had the Ion Rocker drum kit. You got rid of it?
1: Yeah, I got rid of it when I, when I uh, left GameSpy. I just didn't want to... I had it in the office and didn't want to bring it home, because I think I would what? have neighbors killing me if I actually brought it uh. kit home. We, I actually, in the office, when I used to play it, we would... We're, this is like a, a full-on office building, and the people below us, you know, could hear us, you know, slamming on the uh, the bass pedal, the kick pedal. <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> "What is going on up there?" We hear people stomping on the floor, and they're like, "Oh, they're playing drums." They're like, what do you mean they're playing <laughs> drums? What do you guys do? And you know, so for me to bring that home, I think uh, I would have had people throwing things through my windows. Well, so they that didn't really have either. Well, what do you play drums on now? You you don't just use the default set, do you? I'm not even playing drums anymore. I have not plugged in the drum kit in about a year. Oh, so I could beat
0: you on the score list you on drums in Rock Band Three.
1: If you want to beat me in any game, you just play drums and you're you're good to go. <laughs> Did you miss the drums? I miss them a little bit, but there's so much to do in the games that, you know, they're, they're so deep. And, and when you're able to play three or four instruments, you know, you, you've got tons of stuff to do. So it's not like, oh, I wish I had more time for drums.
0: Right, right. Now, I, I have to say, I, I vividly remember the first time I saw someone playing drums on Expert. Uh, my exposure to Guitar Hero, the Guitar Hero games, I, I never really saw it. Like I'd seen people who are really good play and I've seen you play and that that's awesome. Like watching somebody hit all the notes on a on a guitar. But I remember the first time a friend of mine, actually he's on the forum. His name is David Kay. He has the same name as a UN weapons inspector, so we call him David Kay, UN weapons in- inspector. Uh, and he works on Facebook Games, like he seems to be doing fairly well for himself out here in LA. David Kay came over once and he played drums on expert in front of a bunch of us who were just faffing around doing medium guitar and whatnot. And the, the, the sound of him actually hitting the drum pads, you know, what that added into the room, where it was like somebody was actually doing this percussive noise making, whereas the rest of us were just clicking little strum bars and whatnot, was just so amazing to me to actually hear it coming out as music. Uh, so, I, you know, drums have a, a special place in my heart as, as adding, as really tapping into the music in a completely different way. Uh, that I really, I I would miss not being able to play drums. I can only do it on medium, but I, I love the sound of drums and rock.
1: I've had people make that same comparison to me for guitar, where playing on expert, you know, in a room full of people, who, you know, at a party who have never played mm. on expert, or haven't seen anybody play on expert, all of a sudden they can hear the strum bar doing something mm. that sounds percussive and sounds like it's in time with the music. Yes. When you hear somebody yes. playing Bark at the Moon and you actually hear the strum bar going... And you're like, that actually sounds like, you know, I can hear some connection between the strumming and the song, you know, it's not just like these, you know, single strums coming every once in a while. Uh, Well, then, that
0: that makes me then wonder how awesome it must sound on on pro mode. Uh, So let's talk a bit about the the pro mode on on guitar. Uh, Does it have that same awesome sensation? Like, it must feel completely different.
1: I, I hate to say it, I have no idea, because I have not played pro guitar yet at all, I Ah, okay. I've been generally so pessimistic about the Mustang that mm-hmm. I just haven't really tried to get a Mustang yet. Um, and it seems that most of the, the feedback that people have had so far have been somewhat confirming my suspicions about it, that it's it's kind of awkward, and I find it really interesting that all the people who have been raving about pro guitar mode have all said, but you really want to wait for the Squire. Mm-hmm. which is an instrument they haven't played yet. They're all telling uh, you to wait for an instrument, and they have no <laughs> idea how it'll work or not.
0: They're like, Now, are you skeptical about the Squire uh, as well?
1: I ha- well, I will say that I'm less, less skeptical about the Squire, and I'm, I'm very interested in playing it, but I, I am more fascinated that almost unanimously every reviewer is telling you to wait for an instrument that they haven't played yet.
0: Are there no, like, early builds of this Squire floating around? Is it, is it, it it's uh, it's a mystery so far to everyone?
1: I think they've trotted it out at E3 and a couple of other places, but then no one's got one. And when is the Squire due out? Uh, it's coming out in 2011, and I believe it's oh. going to be $280, I believe. I, uh, I forget the particulars. It's one of those things that I will pay more attention to when it's a few weeks away.
0: <laughs> will you be getting a Squire?
1: I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Okay. Um, Okay. Yeah, it's, uh... so,
0: so then, we'll, we're let. Then tell me a bit about uh, pro mode on keyboard. How how do you find that?
1: So, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm kind. I kind of find it interesting that so many reviewers, you know, kind of sold Rock Band three as a big deal because of the pro modes. Because the guitar is, you know, the guitars are hard to get. And they're all mm-hmm. recommending that you wait for a guitar that isn't available yet. So it's not really much of a recommendation when you're saying this mode <laughs> is awesome in the future. Right.
0: <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where the reviewer talks about the potential. Yeah, it's
1: right. you. Almost every review talks about ambition and potential, and <laughs> uh, we could talk a long time about that. But uh, <laughs> pro keyboards. So the so I've been playing pro keys, and I think now I'm ranked like twentieth, and I finished about. 40 or 45 of the 65 songs that there's pro-key stuff for
0: now real quick let me interrupt you when you say you're ranked as 20th there's like a a global ranking for your overall performance what what does that mean when you say you're ranked 20th
1: that's the uh the in-game leaderboards okay so there's and it
0: takes into account like your performance on on all the songs is that how it's
1: basically just a career score so it's all your scores on all the pro-key stuff combined Okay. Okay. So I think right now, if you take all my my high scores for Pro Keys, it's up to like seven million. Uh, the mm-hmm. guy, who, I'll tell you, one of the things that I absolutely love about Pro Keys right now, that if you look at the career scoreboard, you'll see it's almost like a five-year a five-year reunion of a lot of <laughs> the original guys from Score Hero, a lot of those mm-hmm. guys who were on Score Hero in the beginning and were trying to improve their scores on Guitar Hero One have all kind of drifted over to expert pro keys. Not all of them, but if you look at the names on the scoreboard, and if you were around uh, five years ago with the score hero guys, you recognize a lot of those names. Uh, mm-hmm. The guy who is at the top of the board right now, whose name is Wolf97, is a longtime score hero guy. Um, and it's kind of interesting that a lot of people have drifted over. Like, that's where the big uh, the big challenge is right now, but it's it's a very small group of people who are actually working on it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead
0: Well, no, so I was just going to say So then you, you obviously invested a lot of time in it uh, It's a big selling point uh, what,
1: what do you think of Promote on keyboard?
0: So I think the, the
1: interesting thing about it is how I've seen a couple of reviews talk about how intuitive it is That the the note chart, you know, differentiates between white and black keys And it's got little color-coded zones And it makes it really easy to figure out what the notes are And I wonder what these people are thinking because even for the simplest songs in the game, when you see a note come scrolling down and you look at it and you go, I have no idea if that's supposed to be a D or an E. Is that a C sharp or a D sharp? Is that an F sharp or a G? And just for single notes, it's complicated trying to figure that stuff out on the fly. And when they send like, you know, three chords at you and they've got all three notes a piece and you're going, wait, is is that a C sharp or is that a is that supposed to be a minor or a major, and which you know this is with some musical experience that you 're actually looking at it and trying to figure out what the chords are i can 't even imagine what it 's like for someone with no background <laughs> trying to figure out well, all I see is some black and white notes there. I have no idea what they correspond to uh, it 's it's completely unintuitive, and really the the, uh, the process for any song that you learn in pro mode is. You pull up the training mode, which is a new feature they have, which is pretty cool that it actually will uh, give you a little snippet of the song and Mm -hmm. let you, it's not just like practice mode. It actually shows you like a little chart of what all the chords are before you start playing it. And then uh, it gives you a couple of seconds to kind of figure out what the chords are before you actually run through it. Uh, It'll tell you what key it's in. Uh, It's something I think could be, uh, it could add a lot more to it for future releases and be a lot more useful but Mm -hmm. uh i mean basically if you if you're going to learn a song on pro keys you need to go into practice or training mode and just spend some time figuring out what the chords are (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know because if you try to learn, you try to figure this stuff out on the fly you're just going to wind up mashing the keyboard and going i have no idea what any of those notes are supposed to be
0: well now do you feel that's a failing sal like i'd always assumed that that you people who are so good at it would have to like Play through a few times to learn it, and then play through to get a high score.
1: Uh... It's I think there's an interesting comparison to be made between the pro modes and the regular stuff. So at this point on, you know, with any DLC, you can pull out you can pull out a, a guitar and play the traditional five lane stuff. Uh-huh. And you could know, the first time you see it, you can sight read it and get through it. And then you'll play through it again to try and get a better score. Um, sight reading on pro mode is. Is almost impossible, right. uh, you know. You, you know, a bad sight read on the old Guitar Hero stuff would be, oh, I got an eighty-five percent. You know, an eighty-five percent on a pro mode sight read would be, you know, impossible. Hmm. You know, I'll, I'm happy if I if I actually run through a song the first time and don't fail, even if it's the simplest stuff in the world. Is it's really hard to? You really need to sit down for about a half an hour and kind of dissect every part in the song before you play it the first time, or else it's going to be a complete mess.
0: Well, I guess what I'm curious is, do you consider that a liability? Like, do you think it shouldn't be that way?
1: I think that they missed a... If you look at if you've seen the pro guitar stuff, they actually have little chord markings, uh, or you have an option to turn on chords. so as the chord comes down, it says it's an F- sharp, it says it's a C sharp, and you don't have that option on keyboards. And I think ah. and I think that so like it would have been tremendous to have on keyboards because if you see a chord, you know it just I see just a bunch of yellow and green notes coming down, and I have no idea what it's supposed to be, but if there was like a little F and a little G next to it, I'd have at least a fighting chance of figuring out the stuff on the fly. Uh, I see.
0: So it's an interface issue, basically. Absolutely, yeah. I see. Okay. Now, you, you have said, and I uh, pardon me if I'm misquoting you, but I think you have said that, that Rock Band 3 is, and maybe you were just talking about a specific feature, but I think you've called it sloppy. Is, is that correct? Like, I know that there are, and, and you're mentioning this interface issue with keyboards on, on Pro Mode. Maybe that's part of what you're talking about. Uh, but is that an unfair characteris- characterization of, of what you've said about Rock Band 3? I
1: think there's, there's a lot of stuff about the game that I love, but there's also a lot of really weird little glitches, and I think it was a, a sloppy release would be a, a more accurate way of putting it.
0: Okay. Tell tell me a bit about what you're... Because I, I look at Rock Band 3, and again, you and I are light years apart in terms of how we approach the game. I am like a, a toddler, uh, Uh, I look at Rock Band 3 and I just see an amazing package that keeps sucking me in. I am more than happy to just noodle away the challenges and medium and hard. I mean, I, uh, you know, I'm so near the bottom of that learning curve. So to me, it looks so incredibly polished and complete and generous and thorough. And I'm one of those reviewers. I didn't have a review assignment, but I'm one of those reviewers that if I were to review it, I would just, you know, give it a 10 and write and gush enthusiastically about it. Uh, So explain to me how how it looks to you from your side of the spectrum that you see it as a sloppy release.
1: So let me start by saying that I, I am I am loving the game to death and I'm probably gonna end up playing more of rock band than anyone else who's listening to this podcast. <laughs> you know. So but at the same time I realize that I'm an outlier. I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm the crazy person who will actually spend a half an hour on every song in pro keys to try and figure out the chords. I'm the, the crazy person who, you know, just five starring everything on expert guitar isn't enough. Who i you know, at the moment I'm working on expert vocals. I'm up to I've gold starred the entire game, and I've got about twenty songs to go before I've gotten a hundred percent on every song. You know, mm-hmm. how, how many people do you know are actually going to try to hundred percent every song in the game? You know, can you come over and do the
0: uh, Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> challenge for me? I just I just need someone to knock that off of my list.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm an outlier in that regard, but at the same mm-hmm. time, you know, I think maybe because of that I notice a lot of stuff and I wonder how much other people care about it. So the first thing that kind of struck me is that the game has no local score tracking. Every game that's ever come out has had some kind of a, a place for you to you know, you, you finish a song and you can see your high score. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't exist in Rock Band Three. You know, Wait a minute.
0: Well, I can't go somewhere and look at like my my best guitar hard performance on Rep- Reptilia, friend. Like I can't go to a song and see what my best score you is. You
1: can if you're connected to the internet and the rock oh. and the rock central ser- the rock central servers are working. I see. Okay. Now the first one is probably a given for most people. If, if you're on playing Rock Band three, you've probably got Xbox Live or you're on the PS network or whatever. But the, so. They, for some reason, they made the leaderboards a requirement to see your own scores now. You know, the, right. the basic quick play screen just shows you how many stars you have. And then in order for you to look at a score, your own high score, you have to pull up the leaderboards. And the leaderboards require that you're on the Internet and you're connected to Rock Central. And there has not been a single day so far since Rock Band 3 came out that the Rock Central servers haven't been down for part of the day. Um, ah, so, wow. So this, this decision baffles me to no end. Because in Rock Band 2, Rock Central was kind of required in order to, to play the competitive modes. If you were going to play Score Duel online or Tug of War, mm-hmm. you had to connect through the Rock Central servers, and they were down all the time, or they had all sorts of weird glitches where you know you had to log off and log back on to kind of force a connection. So why you know why they thought it was a good idea? Well, let's use this really glitchy system and make that <laughs> required for. Any local score track, you know, for you to see your high scores, seemed like a bizarre decision to me. Let's take this real, this really glitchy system, and make it a really integral part of the game. And so far, it's been as glitchy as it's ever been, and it's really frustrating when you're, you know, you're you're going through quick play and you're trying to improve your scores and you have no idea what your score was.
0: Ah, right. I have I have two words for you there, Sal. You ready? Electronic Arts. I just think, you know, their their whole, like, I don't know if you see the Need for Speed Hot Pursuit demo. Like, it's just this whole, we want you online all the time. We want to track your stuff. We want you to log into EA servers. Uh, I'm assuming that's part of, you know, like, why Harmonix is doing it that way.
1: I don't think, I mean, mean, so Harmonix is owned by MTV, and my understanding is that EA is more of a distributor partner than really involved with, uh, it never occurred to me that this was an EA decision.
0: Oh, I, I guess I I didn't realize that it was just a distribution thing. Uh, uh, I assumed that they were publishing it like like they'd publish a Need for Speed game. So I I, th- I stand corrected if that's the case. I
1: I couldn't give you the particulars about exactly how that partnership works. My impression of it has been that you know MTV has been the publisher and they've pretty much let Harmonix do what Harmonix wants to do, and EA mm-hmm. has been thrilled to be sort of a, a publishing and distributing partner. That you know you I. I I could be wrong. I'm not even sure there's an EA logo in the game anywhere, but there probably is. I'm probably wrong about that. But I've never you know pre- I'm mean, gonna I've never really felt EA's hands on this game too much. It strikes me very much as it's almost like Blizzard and Activision. You look at, at WoW, and you don't really feel Activision's presence too much.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Well, part of what I'm thinking, Sal, is uh, I've been playing a lot of Sims 3 lately, and I look at my band members, and I think, you know, they look just like Sims. Uh, <laughs> so maybe there's part of that as well. <laughs> and EA's fingerprints are all over the Sims, of course. Wow. Uh, with their whole. Okay, so that's one instance of it being sloppy, is that this, this, you know what, screw local, you have to be on Rock Central all the time. Uh, what other things do you find are sloppy so about that? So going there,
1: through we? the vocal stuff, I've noticed they've added mm-hmm. a couple of, uh, of frustrating glitches. Uh, so in, the, in Rock Band 1, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with the vocals, but you had the little talky parts where you'd either rap yep. or you'd do spoken word stuff. So in Rock Band 1, that stuff was basically broken. There were people who would try and 100% the entire vocal campaign, but they couldn't because there were certain songs that they just absolutely could not, for the life of them, get the the talkies to work. You know, they'd Mm -hmm. they'd get 100% on everything else, and then the the talkies wouldn't respond whatsoever. So they fixed that in Rock Band 2, and they made them really forgiving, and all of a sudden people were able to 100% the whole game. And now in Rock Band 3, there's a weird glitch where sometimes – the talkies don't respond at all, and then you basically exit out to the menu and you restart the song, and then they work just fine. Mm-hmm. So that's a little weird when you're playing through a song, and then you know everything's going great, and then all of a sudden the game just stops responding. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh-huh. And that's been it's been reported uh, through a fair number of the people who have been doing the vocal stuff. And there's also another weird glitch where you'll have a, a perfect run going and you'll finish a perfect run and the game will say congratulations you got 99%. <laughs> and you'll and, and they actually added which was pretty cool they actually added some advanced stat stuff. So if you're one of the people who always like Guitar Heroes, you know, uh extended right. stat stuff that they never had in Rock Band, they they actually added a little bit of it and you can see you know, here's your streak. You had 45 perfects in a row. You got 90. You got 99. And you look at going. Where, why did I miss? Where, where did this go wrong? And
0: there's a there's obviously Sal. There's a hidden coin somewhere on the level that you didn't find. There,
1: you know what? You're not far <laughs> off. So what everyone has pretty much noticed is that you know the the way the vocals work is. Is a 1,000-point base for every phrase, and then it goes up, you know, when you get a two-times two multiplier, it's 2,000, 3,000, and 4,000. So you're basically adding 4,000 points with every perfect phrase until you use star power, and then it's 8,000, et cetera. Uh, and what people are noticing is that they'll they'll fill the pie, and they'll get the awesome rating, and the game won't give them the full 4,000. It'll give them 3,996, for example. <laughs> and you'll look at it and go, why... Where did those 4 points go? Why did why did I not get full credit? It said I got full credit. It didn't give me full credit. And at that point you realize that's when you know the game is going to give you a, a 99% at the end. <laughs> so <laughs> you you got it perfect, but I'm not going to give it to you. So I think what we're trying to figure out is maybe in in each of those phrases there is you know the the vocals are pretty lenient and I'm kind of wondering if maybe in those phrases there's like a key word that has to be said. And if you, know, ah. you fill the pie, but you didn't hit this particular word right, and it goes up, we're going to dock you for that. So God, I
0: just, I so listening to you talk, Sal, I so realize what, what a completely rarefied level you're at compared to me, but that's awesome to hear about well,
1: it, that. It's weird. I mean, uh. you, 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 play a song, you know, six or seven times in a row, trying to figure out you know, or trying to you know, figure out what the harmony line is going to be. And then, all right, I got it right. I got, I got 30 phrases in a row. And I didn't get the hundred percent. And Psych. That's, when, when that's what you're playing for, it's a little ear. Right. right. Uh, now you've also talked a bit about. Uh, I think it's been you. You've posted some about the weird calibration issues. I, I. This is kind of. This is not probably going to bother people who aren't playing on expert. But it seems every time one of these games comes out, you know, you have to spend a week trying to get your calibration right. Where when you're playing really fast solos, it seems that the difference between. You know, 20 milliseconds here and 20 milliseconds there is the difference between I can play this in my sleep and get 100% or I'm screwing up all over and I have no idea why. And that's that's a little frustrating. And there are times I kind of wonder if, you know, when you go to parties and people have stuff set up and, they're you know, they 're playing drums they 're not really playing for one hundred percent they 're just happy to sit there and get ninety five percent and you wonder if if the calibration is you know actually hurting their enjoyment of the game and they 're not realizing it
0: right yep absolutely
1: would, would these people actually be getting ninety nine percent if they had the calibration right? Are they just assuming that they suck when in fact they 're actually pretty good and they 're dealing more with calibration issues than they realize. And I'm always kind of curious, you know, when I I go over somebody's place and and I notice the calibration is, like, not even in the ballpark. You're watching notes scroll off the screen, and then Hmm. they press the the note and they get credit for it. It's like, wow, this is (laughs) – I watched three notes scroll off the screen and you still got credit for that. That's – you you get, like, 100 milliseconds off. It's not even close. And it's like how – you know, I I wonder if if people are playing with lousy setups – and just assuming that they suck, they're like, oh, I can't play like that, when in fact they actually could, but aren't realizing that the reason they're missing isn't because they're bad, but because their calibration is off by 40 milliseconds or whatever. Uh, and that, that's, a, that's a tough thing to deal with, too. I mean, I've had, I, I've fiddled with calibration
0: at times and thought, okay, I guess this is good enough. And then I play the game for a month or whatever. And then someone comes over and they say, you know, your calibration's really screwy. Do you want me to fix it? And I kind of shrug and go, well, yeah, I guess try. And they do it, and it suddenly feels like I'm playing a whole different game. Uh, and I, I just that can be so like I really resent that that little hidden level of whatever's going on uh, there that I'm not I'm not really hip to it. And I've done different calibration routines. I've done a little automated one. I've tried to like listen, and, and I just uh, I feel like there's a silver bullet often that i'm missing and it has to do with calibration i
1: think the 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 problem is that the calibration tools just aren't very good the 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 smartest thing they ever did was allow you to just punch in numbers yourself so that you could you know i'm going to try 20 milliseconds and see how that works i'm going to try 40 milliseconds because in guitar hero 2 you couldn't actually do that you had to run through their their little calibration tool and then you realize that the numbers they were giving you were bad, so you tried to game that system. It was like, I'm going to purposely place <laughs> Because I know that 35 milliseconds is where I want it, but the game won't let me input 35 seconds, so now I have to keep playing this mini game until I get 35 seconds of, of calibration. And then, oh, look, lo and behold... I can, you know, get 99% on Hangar 18, where before I was getting 94% because <laughs> I gamed this stupid little system. There's there's a whole overhaul to be done to the calibration, but I think that it's never going to happen because it's considered to be a quote-unquote, you know, expert thing that, right. uh, you know, the casual gamer doesn't really care about, and so they're going to put their resources elsewhere. Right. Now, uh, do you play? Uh, do you get to play in groups much? Like,
0: uh, is most of your time because you're like pretty hardcore and perfecting stuff on on expert mode and the pro modes on keyboard? Uh, do you do you experience Rock Band three in in groups very often?
1: Uh, at the moment, I'm not. I'm spending a lot of my time right now playing through it solo. But I will get to play a good deal, a good amount of time in groups. Um, People still have friends still have parties where we'll play as a band. Um, I will inevitably get involved in some online bands and, and you know, when you know, through Rock Band 2 I posted videos here and there where we put together little all-star bands doing the Iron Maiden stuff, which is really, really fun. That's you know one of the one of the advantages of being able to play multiple instruments is when you can round up a couple of all star players it doesn't really matter what instruments they play because you know you can fill the utility spot.
0: Mm-hmm, right? So
1: it's like well we've got we what do we need? Well, we've got everything but a bassist, or we've got everything but a singer. All right, fine, we've got a band.
0: <laughs> now, can can you enjoy playing with people who aren't very good?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's mm-hmm. there it's it's a different it's you know, one of the one of the things that I think rock band and Guitar Hero don't get appreciated for enough. You know, most games only get appreciated on, you know, one or two levels. You know, where a game like Call of Duty, you can play solo and play through a campaign or you can play multiplayer, but it's not a game that you're going to play at, a, at an average party. <laughs> you know, you're not you're not going to go visit a friend's party and a game of Call of Duty isn't going to break out. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know. <laughs> if it does, you know, that's a story in itself. <laughs> But, uh, you, you know, there's, there's, you know, to me, I, as I mentioned before, I think there's a, a really interesting, deep, strategic game there that doesn't get enough credit. And then there's a game that a lot of people play just kind of casually, where it's like, hey, I'm going to play through a medium or hard, and I'm going to go through the campaign, and I'm just going to find stuff to do. And then there's this third level where it's a fantastic party game. And it's, a, it's amazing that they've come out a game that works on so many different levels like that, that there are a few games that fall into that category.
0: Right, right. Uh, Sal, I want to prevent, present to you a statement, and I want you to uh, explain to me whether or not it's true. Are you ready for this? I am, sir. Welcome Home is the best song in all of the rock band catalog.
1: You know, I like that song. I'm not, <laughs> I I don't know if I'm ready to, to stipulate that it is the best song in, in the history of the rock band catalog, but I like that song. I know a lot of people, some people don't, and they're, uh, you know, that's... You know, it's, to be honest, the, the most tired debate anybody can have about any of these games is to actually oh. argue about the songs.
0: Yes. <laughs> you know, is it a good set list? You, that, that one right there. You go is on warm. any
1: forum and it's like, <laughs> here's the set list. And if, if the debate goes on any further than, you know, it's if you, if you like the set list, that's great. If you're not excited by it, that's great. But then people want to debate it. And they're like, well, you know, Slipknot sucks. This band is great. This band is awesome. This band sucks. Oh no, Bon Jovi. We jumped the shark. Oh wait, They're, the shark has been unjumped and jumped and unjumped and unjumped. There's nothing. There's nothing more tired or boring than that. It's it's music. It's subjective. No one gives a shit what you like or don't like. It's you know. And I, there's so much stuff in the game that there's usually a fair amount that anyone will like. And they have to build the games that way. They can't just build. Hey, here's, you know, I didn't buy Green Day because I didn't want to play a whole game of Green Day. <laughs> you know, right. it, it didn't make. You know, I wasn't going on forums going, oh my god, the world is coming to an end because we have a whole game of Green Day stuff. I just went and go, went and played. You know, Guitar Hero Metallica, and I was thrilled with that. So,
0: so I just want because you're too gracious to do this, Sal. I just want to take this moment to say hello to Wumpus. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, by the way, Jeff uh, well, this
0: is a fellow named Jeff on the forum who uh, is, is sort of infamous for bringing up these kinds of discussions that we're talking about and uh, God bless him. He's a huge fan of the games and I love that about him. He actually once sent me a guitar that he would customized and put in little components and he painted it and I just thought it was so adorable well, I, that he did that for me. But uh, I, I love that guy but good Lord, anytime this conversation comes up, I'm like, oh it, Jeff what are you it, doing? It drives
1: me crazy that he, he there are, it drives me crazy that he does that but he's far from the only person who does it and I actually have my my Les Paul controller that I have actually still has a a faceplate that he customized for me, and the best that that faceplate ever looked in the history of that guitar was when I went to QuakeCon one year and was competing in a tournament, and Uh, I was walking through a hallway, and I ran into Todd Holland's head, who was with the, I guess, the QuakeCon girls, who were all dressed in, like, really skimpy cocktail outfits. (laughs) And Todd looked at the guitar, and he saw it had this big, sparkly faceplate, and he was like, are you kidding me? Are you really going to play with that thing? And I was like, I love it. Wumpus made this faceplate. I think it looks great. I said, are you kidding me? Look at how, that thing is awesome. And one of the girls was like, oh, my God, I love that. And can I see it? And she put it on, and this chick in this skimpy cocktail dress and this sparkly Les Paul was just the hottest thing on the planet.
0: I just want to say that's awesome that Wumpus indirectly pwned Todd Holland's head.
1: <laughs> very nice. I think he kind of agreed with me that the guitar looked a lot better on her than it did on
0: <laughs> <laughs> So I, the, the thing about uh, Welcome Home is I, I'd never heard of Coheed and Cambria. I had no idea who those guys were. And actually, the funny thing is discovering what they look like after hearing <laughs> the music. Uh, very unlikely appearance. Um, but one of my favorite things, Sal, and I'm curious if you feel this way. I, I imagine you do. One of my favorite things about the Guitar Hero and Rock Band games is
1: what worry. new music... I'm going to agree with you
0: on this. I mean, just because I never would have been... I, someone might have said, hey, there's a cool band called Coheed and Cambria," and I would have shrugged and never heard them. But it's just such a great venue to learn new music that I end up loving.
1: I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think one of the, the greatest things about these games is that they expose people to new music that they would never hear otherwise, both... New music that old people like you and me would never have heard of, and mm-hmm. older music that, you know, teenagers might not have heard, yep. you know, so, you know, so these games expose kids to stuff from the 70s and 80s, and, you know, how many kids, are, you know, had never heard Roundabout? before, you know, Rock Band 3 came out and now it's, you know, the, the pinnacle of Rock Band 3, that's the biggest challenge in the game and there's kids who are probably obsessively working on figuring out the keyboards or drums or, or bass to round about who had, you know, heard the game or heard the song once in their life before or, you know, new stuff where, you know, I love you know, from the Rock Band 3 setlist stuff like Living in America, which is uh, the set, yeah, uh, Yes, yeah, the con, which is uh, another great yep. song, there, there's, you know, uh, Portions for Foxes, yep. so many great songs that I bet a lot of people haven't heard before. And, yep. you know, it's that's one of the the, the the brilliant... You know, there's there's a lot of stuff in Rock Band 3 that I don't care for. There's, you know, I, I, overall the set list is just okay by me, but, you know, that's just part of the cost of doing business and trying to find stuff that's going to appeal to a lot of people. And... You know, when they do come up with stuff that you've never heard before, it makes up for the stuff you don't like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Do you get uh? Do you get download? How do you get downloadable content? Do you only get? Do you ever try new things on downloadable content, or do you just grab things you know?
1: Um, I whenever they announce stuff, I'll usually go look it up on YouTube or something and see Mm -hmm. if it looks interesting or not. How many songs do you have? I think I'm up to almost eight hundred now.
0: Whoa, nice. So you must love the new sortable features and all of that stuff. That must be a, an invaluable gift for you.
1: I do, and I don't. I think that the uh, the filters are a great addition, and mm-hmm. there are times where I'm absolutely thrilled to have them, and I think that they're missing a – they could have been done a little bit better. I think there are times where I'll be, I'll sort on – you know, I'll set up a bunch of filters and three different things, and then I'll accidentally hit the B button and go back to the main menu, and <laughs> all the filters are gone. <laughs> Did, well, why are the filters gone? Did, are you under the impression that when I exited to the menu, I stopped caring about the stuff? <laughs> could, we, could we not retain those filters, you know, when I come back? Can there not be a, a, a button in the filter menu that says reset all filters if I really want that to happen? Uh, I, I think there are a lot of, you know, and harmonics will be the first, group to admit it, that they innovate first, and then they perfect later. And mm-hmm. I think they've got I think there's a lot of stuff in Rock Band 3 that can be cleaned up. Um, mm-hmm. But I, at the same time, it's you know I'm, it's a game I'm going to play a billion hours of anyway. Does Harmonix, uh,
0: like, are they very public in terms of talking about here are the things we're working on for a patch? Uh, do they tend to play it close to the vest, or do they talk about on the forums what things they're working on?
1: Uh, I haven't really seen them talk too much about you know what they you know occasionally they you know when uh, when Rock Band 2 came out people wanted to see the star ratings which they removed and in Rock Band 1 you could see your high score and your star rating right next to it and then in Rock Band 2 they removed the star ratings from the quick play menu and everyone was like why did you do that we like seeing star ratings and they said, "Oh you know we're going to work on that in the patch, but then all of a sudden it became this mythical patch that nobody knew when it was coming, or you know it was worked on for a long time, and nobody knew where it was, and then it showed up, and it didn't quite work the way people were hoping it would and so I, I, they seem to be a little quiet about that kind of stuff
0: okay uh finally, before we move on, I want to ask you, have you ever tried uh, uh the d j hero games
1: I did. I played through uh, all of d j Hero One. Um I played through it mostly I think I think we might have actually had this conversation. I, I played through it on either medium or hard, I forget which one I played it on. And I kinda got frustrated with it. And this is this is a great example of the kind of thread that the music genre hangs on. You know, I the the whole DJ Hero mechanic is that there are two tracks that you're constantly switching between and <laughs> the main interface is a little slider button or a little slider bar.
0: Oh that's right, you mentioned that groove, yeah.
1: So you know, once you get to hard and expert, there were times where you'd have to flip to the middle, flip to the right, flip to the middle, flip to the right, right really, really fast, you know, like six or seven times in a row. And the groove in the middle, you know, was almost non existent to the point where you'd you'd shoot right by it. And you know, you you have the rhythm to do this stuff, but the hardware just isn't up to the task. Right. You know, which is I kinda wonder where the rock band franchise would be if the guitar hero guitars didn't exist. I think that I, I kind of wonder if there would be an expert community if we were all playing Fender Strats. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that would be the case. I think that a lot of people would have given up on expert guitar a long time ago or invented homebrew guitars if we all had to play the Fender Strats, which are are great guitars if you're playing on medium or even on hard a little bit. But if you're trying to play Avenged Sevenfold solos on a Strat, you're, you're in trouble.
0: Have you ever customized a piece of Guitar Hero or Rock Band hardware? Um, I... As far as, like, getting a soldering iron or doing anything like
1: that? I guess so. I mean, I have... There are probably pictures of it floating around. I've painted... I've done paint jobs on a bunch of guitars. Mm. And I use... I have a an orange creamsicle Explorer, which I'll never play again, but I still use as an icon for a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the paint jobs actually came out pretty good. Uh... I don't know if I've actually taken a soldering iron to any of my hardware. Uh, I think uh, at one point I debated taking a pair of bolt cutters to the Whammy Bar on the Guitar Hero 5 guitar, which had... It was too long? You were just going to, like, circumcise it? (laughs) I'm not sure if that's the term I would use. It was a a really long Whammy Bar. And
0: and also, Sal, did you ever get into... Because these are kind of the... uh, the er version of the Guitar Hero games. Uh, do you ever play any of the DDR games?
1: I never did. Ah, are you curious? Um, never curious enough to actually try them. Okay. I did play Karaoke Revolution. Uh, is that
0: just a, is that just like singing vocals in in Rock bands? Just a it, karaoke game? That was a harmonics
1: game that they uh was. Yeah, it was sort of a precursor to what the vocal stuff in Rock Band was like.
0: And did you then play? Uh, what was it? A frequency and amplitude? Did you know harmonics and stuff back then? I,
1: I actually did. I have both of those games. Although my feeling about both of them is that they were both really interesting ideas that you know needed to be polished up a little bit. I don't. You know, Tom. Did you ever go to Dice at all?
0: Uh, no, I don't think I've ever been to a DICE.
1: They, uh, Alex Rogopoulos did a talk at DICE a couple of years ago that was, he talked about the the beginnings of harmonics and how they basically started out trying to make software for people to learn to play piano. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, oh. and they've, you know, they've completely come full circle on that, which I think is, you know, I, you know, as an aside, I really, you can't give harmonics enough credit for what they're trying to do. They've spent a, a, a ridiculous amount of time and effort and money on a mode that is right now still going to be pretty niche. It is, mm-hmm. it is not going to be the major sell. You know, the, the concept may be a big selling point, but the execution of it is not, you know, it's it's something that's only really going to be enjoyed by a very small subset of people to start with. And, you know, they've they've put an incredible amount of money and effort into it. You know and they they deserve credit for that uh but he he spent a it was a really great talk that he gave about the history of harmonics and how they started out trying to make software to teach people how to play piano and how they were on the verge of going under and you know eventually you know slid over into games into games development and uh just really interesting hearing how they you know they talked about amplitude and frequency and about how you know they were really cool ideas, but people just didn't really seem to get it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I thought, you know, that was exactly how I felt about it. I felt like there was, I felt like there was a game there that I should really be enjoying. That I saw really small glimpses of. That at times I'd be, you know, sliding my ship or whatever the hell it was back and forth. To the music it was like, here we go, left, right, over here. Right. Like, there's a really cool game here somewhere. And then I would, oh, freestyle. Whoa, what, what, what's happening in this freestyle section? <laughs> I, I, I don't understand this. I, right, I gotta get back and. It, it seemed like there was a really fun game there except it wasn't the, the gameplay wasn't quite there there was a vibe to it and then i think guitar hero is when they actually figured out the gaming part of it that right you know here's here's something that's intuitive that anybody can pick up and play in 10 seconds and yet there's enough depth here that you know the, the craziest insane people in the world who want to try and you know 100% bark at the moon can still be playing this a year later and still finding you know satisfaction in playing yeah.
0: this game harmonics is the only reason that i kind of am bummed that i don't have a connect because i'm really curious to see what they've done with with dance central i i'm, uh,
1: I'm exactly the same way there's a, a part of me that wants to go out and buy a connect and there are, there are three things stopping me from it
0: uh i mean i guess one is your if you can't have drums in your in where you live
1: now you're not going to fit a connect is that one of them Well, the first one is that or similar to that is that a, I'm afraid that me jumping around and dancing would be the same reaction as me playing drums and making <laughs> my neighbors want to kill me. Uh, I think also the distance from my TV to my couch is exactly seven feet or eight feet, uh-huh. and I can move my my coffee table and I'm fine with that. But I'm not moving my sofa. <laughs> yep. that's mm-hmm. not that's a, a deal breaker for me, and uh, I think I'm just outside the range. I think there's just enough enough question with people who are debating whether it works or not to to go out and buy a connect. Uh, yeah. But other than that, I mean I I it's something that uh, I'd love to give a shot at a party somewhere and have a ball with. I think I'd I do pretty well at it. <laughs>
0: See, I'm I'm with you there, except there's no way I'm going to go to a party in front of other people and play Dance Central for the first time. That's something I have to do in the privacy of my own home behind locked doors.
1: So you want to practice it and get really good and then just show up and be like, I've never played this at all.
0: Well, y- yes, except for the get really good part. There's no way I would get really good. I just can't dance like like that. I cannot do that. I just get less embarrassing. That would be my goal before I do it in front of other people.
1: There was some video, and I think it was an IGN guy who was, you know, doing all sorts of what I would consider to be advanced moves, and you know, doing it perfectly and, and thinking. I think it was the first time I've ever seen a, a, a video for a rhythm game. That looked like was being played competently for some by somebody.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, those videos aren't as much fun, by the way.
1: I, the, the ones of people
0: doing it incompetently, I'd much rather watch. Uh, <laughs> so, so Sal, this leads to uh, the random question I want to ask you this week. This question has nothing to do whatsoever with anything we've talked about. It's going to come right out of left field. Orange. Are you ready? Whoa, who told you? Orange. <laughs> okay. Uh, close, but no cigar. Here's the actual question. Here we go. What is something you've done that should be on America's Funniest Home Videos? Now, if you need time to think about it, I can answer it first. If something has come up right now that you know of, then take it you, away.
1: You know something I've done that should be on America's Funniest No. <laughs> are, you, I, are you outside my apartment? <laughs>
0: I would love to have that kind of dirt on you, but I'm afraid I do not. No. <laughs>
1: wow. Oh. Um. Trying to think if ever fallen down or been hit in the nuts with something. <laughs> that's that's pretty much all you get on America's Funniest Home Videos, right? Uh, you know what? I've only
0: seen. I've actually never seen the show, but I love. Uh, excerpts and stuff like on YouTube. It, without Bob Saget talking, though. By the way, I don't. I, I don't need his voiceover. I just love, love, love videos of people doing embarrassing things. And the best ones are the ones where the person is somehow like really cocksure, full of himself, and gets brought low. Those are my favorite, where, like, it's a rock star or something like that who who hits his head on a prop. Um, But I also really enjoy normal people falling off of slides or tripping in mud puddles and stuff like that. So you're a
1: big fan of Tosh.0, apparently. I don't know what that is. is (laughs) That is uh, Comedy Central's Internet version of uh, America's Funniest Home Videos, where they've got a comedian who just basically pulls videos off the Internet, which are basically... You know the the next step up for America's uh, America's funniest home videos. Hey, here's a gymnast who misses the landing ah. pad.
0: Oh, I'm totally gonna look that up, Sal. And well, now here's an important caveat though. Like, I I don't like seeing people get hurt. So so it has to it has to walk that fine line between an actual injury. Like I prefer seeing people just being embarrassed. Um so here, here's my one. While you're thinking, here's the one that I think of. Uh, I was backpacking in Europe once with a, with a girlfriend. This was shortly after, uh, college, after high school. And uh, you have on these big backpacks with all your stuff, and you go to bed and breakfast and whatever. But you're carrying around a lot of stuff on your back. And at one point, we're in a little town in France uh, to get on a train. And it's one of those outdoor train stations where you've got a platform And then there's the two rails, and there's the platform on the other side. And for whatever reason, it was pretty crowded that day. Uh, And my girlfriend and I are on one platform, and we realize, oh, wait, we have to be at the platform over there across the rails. Uh, So I hop down in the space between the rails, and I'm walking over to the other platform. And I'm essentially in front of two crowds of people. Like I've got an audience on either side of French people watching me. And as I'm walking across, I catch my foot on one of the rails, and I pitch forward and almost fell, but didn't quite. You know, I got my footing, but because of the backpack, the weight balance was thrown off really strangely. So it basically looked like I lowered my head and just ran forward, and then I had to pull back so I wouldn't fall, at which point the backpack pulled me back. And it it must have looked like some stupid American stepping into this The space between two crowds of French people and doing like a dance, leaning forward, going backwards. And I don't think I ever fell, but I looked absolutely ridiculous. And I just remember finally getting my balance and my girlfriend just really thinking that 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 was funny. Uh, And and the fact is it was in front of so many people and it just looked like a dumb American. So that's the sort of thing where I was like, man, I wish we had video cameras. I'm kind of glad we didn't, but that would have made a great America's Funniest Home Video.
1: I'm sure if I gave it enough thought, I could think of a time where uh, I've spilled many things. And I've prob- Spills are good. I've, I've probably not reacted to them and cursed quite a bit, And especially if you spill anything near a computer where it's, you know, a total fire alarm mode where it's like, where's the nearest stack of paper towels and napkins and move, <laughs> quick move the keyboard and look around and anything that, you know, is delicate needs to be heaved away very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't really, I can't really think of anything like, specific. Uh, for, I guess the first thing I, I did last year, did something very really mm-hmm. stupid where I was leaving a party. I had my car parked in an underground garage, and I don't know what I was thinking, but pulled out of the spot and slammed the car backwards into a large cement pole. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm still not entirely sure like how I pulled it off. You know. It, the, the pole clearly wasn't blocking my car. Uh, sure it wasn't, Sal. <laughs> it, was, it was just I, I looked at it afterwards and realized I that, that was just very dumb and put a little dent into the back of my car, and that was fun. That would make, that would make a good video. I would, I, would, yeah. I would like video of that for no other reason than just to see how the hell I did that.
0: <laughs> I once uh, was dropping something off at someone's house, so I pull my car up, uh, and I, I get out of the car, I leave it running, because I'm not going to be there, I'm just going to run up to the door and put something down. I get out of the car, and I run up to the door, and I put the package on the doorstep, and then I turned around and was confronted with the oddest sight, and that sight was my car, this car that I see, you know, once a day at least, and I'm constantly walking up to it and getting in it and driving, I see my car, my very own car, in motion, which isn't something you're used to seeing from the outside. You normally see your car sitting still, waiting for you to get into it, at which point you move it, and you're seeing it from the inside. But it was the weirdest sensation seeing, hey, my car's moving down the street, because I had apparently neglected to put on the emergency brake or whatever, and just had this really just weird moment of cognitive dissonance. So my car's rolling down the street because I hadn't put the uh, parking brake on, and I went running after it, but not before it gently grazed into the side of a Trans Am. Uh, oh. I know, and I was I was the jerk who this, this was over ten years ago. So if whoever this happened to is listening, I think the statute of limitations for dude, getting me in trouble that has was expired.
1: That was my Trans Am, dude. Ah.
0: <laughs> I did say Trans Am, I mean it was a Corvette. Oh,
1: that's what I meant too. Dude. <laughs> Dude. You know, and so. I, I do. I do have one more in that same vein that I wish I had video of. Although it wasn't really me who did it, I was uh, I was getting off a highway and heading towards a mall somewhere. I was sitting on an off ramp, and the off ramp was uphill. And there's a car in front of me with two girls in it, and I guess they were. I guess it was a, a manual, and the car was very slowly drifting towards me. <laughs> And I'm looking, and I'm looking behind me to see if I can back up a little bit, and I try backing up a little bit, and not not really a whole lot of room. And the car in front of me keeps drifting back towards me. We're stopped at a light, obviously. And the car is drifting, and it's drifting, and I'm looking like, do they know that they're drifting towards me? They're going to hit me in five, four, And then, <laughs> and then they bump me, and it was like a bomb went off in the car in front of me. The two girls, like, the, their arms went up in the air, and they were, <laughs> flailing along, like, oh, my God! Oh, what, what the hell, oh, gee, what the... It, it was just, like, an explosion of action in the car. There, were, there was nothing, 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 total panic in the car in front of me. And they hit me so soft that I couldn't possibly be a man, and just was cracking up the entire time, just watching them get, And they jumped out of the car, and they were, like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry! What? And they... They were like, we're on our way to junior prom. They must have been, like, 16 years old. And I'm like, Jesus, this is just too funny.
0: Well, you remember. I mean, I don't know what it was like for you, but I remember, like, the first teenage wreck I got into and how apocalyptic it was, you know. <laughs> it was Like, when, when you violate the integrity of, like, your mom's car or whatever by scratching it or denting it, I mean, that's just, like, end of the world material. My,
1: my first dent was a lot more apocalyptic than that. I uh, was driving in the – this is – I was. 18 or 19, and was driving my father's car, and it was raining out, and I was crossing some big avenue, crossing Flatbush Avenue, actually, in Brooklyn, if you've ever heard of Flatbush Avenue. You're a movie guy. You've heard of the Lords of Flatbush. That's what I was thinking of, Sal. Very good. That's my frame of reference. See, I'm with you. I got the frame of reference there. So I'm crossing Flatbush Avenue down by the south end of Brooklyn, and it's raining out, and there's a huge 18-wheeler that has just finished... Crossing the light and is now you know a couple of yards in front of the light and i 'm going through the light, and the truck just stops, and I hit the brakes, and the car doesn 't stop, and we go slamming right into the uh. truck and so I was in the truck with my I was in the car with my girlfriend, and the entire the car was totaled the car was completely d- gone history they had to just throw it in the garbage somewhere and that was not pleasant. <laughs>
0: when did, did either of you
1: get hurt? Neither one of us got. Neither one of us got hurt at all. It was. Oh, good, good. I car, was worried
0: where the story was going to go. The front, okay.
1: the front of the car just completely. Yeah, from that point of view, it wasn't apocalyptic. But you know, at the point at which everyone's okay and not hurt, then it was as bad as it could possibly get. Where yeah. the car, you know, was co- just completely, absolutely crumpled. And it wasn't even like we hit it that hard. You know, I think we cruise into the truck doing ten. <laughs> Or whatever, <laughs> you know. It, it wasn't like we were flying, doing fifty across the avenue. You know, we were we we're just cruising across a red light or crossing across a, a light, and you know, we we hit the. You know, it was like, oh shit, the brakes aren't working. Put my hand out to brace my girlfriend, and we hit the truck. And look, like, are you all right? Are you okay? And then we looked, and it was like, wow, the the front of the car used to be a lot longer than it is right now. <laughs> and you know, so going home and waiting for dad to come home that day, that ah, was good times.
0: Yep, yep. Yeah. So. I. I. Yeah. So
1: yeah, your car. Yeah, not not so much a car anymore. Uh. So
0: those. Uh. Yeah. That, I wouldn't want to see video of that. I hate video of car wrecks too, because most of them are like, ah, did anybody get hurt? Uh, car wrecks are like weird. I don't. Do you play the. Have you played the burnout games?
1: Uh, I think I have Burnout Three sitting around somewhere, but I didn't play too much of it. Yeah, like I, I always find it a, a little bit
0: distasteful, like how much glee those games take in in car wrecks. So I know that's mainly me. But uh... well,
1: I'll, I'll say the part of that those games that I thought was brilliant was the mode where all it was was the crash. Yeah, you know, so yeah, where you were racing and then it was like, oh, there's a big crash and you get points for that, and then you go back to racing. That didn't excite me as much as the mode where it was the whole goal is to crash. Here's yep. 30 seconds, and we want you to come up with the biggest crash you possibly could. That was more interesting to me than racing and crashing. I, I, I and that, I like the idea of just staging the most elaborate crash you could possibly come up with.
0: And, and the thing is, Criterion has never gone back to that. I mean, I, I agree that it was a, a it was brilliant. It was a it was a kind of a weird, sick, twisted brilliance. But I loved that mode. And and those guys have since just decided, yeah, we're just going to make racing games. <laughs> which I just why, that, why that's such a waste. Uh, have you seen the demo for their Need for Speed game? I have not. Yeah, oh, good lord. It just looks terrible. Was, this looks like... Was there
1: just a Need for Speed MMO that came out?
0: There was. Need for Speed World, I think, is what it's called. Have you played any yeah. of that? I have not. I didn't play Motor City Online either, which was another racing MMO. I can't imagine... I don't know. I just I can't imagine that a racing MMO is a very good idea. I'm sure there are some people that are into it. What? What? Did you play
1: it? No, I didn't. I was curious if you had.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. I did. just doing a like I know you mentioned uh, having a music game MMO is a great idea. So I can see why somebody would think of that with a racing game, but it just doesn't really have any fascination for me. I
1: think done right, almost any genre could support a good MMO. Just The, yes. the key is doing it right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this is what the podcast uh,
1: has come to. Have you played this game? Nope. <laughs> All, right. Never real, real... All right. Well, that's... <laughs> uh,
0: before we close, I just want to ask uh, if you have any plans on December seventh.
1: I, I don't know what happens that day. Isn't that when Inception comes out on DVD? Uh-huh. <laughs> are you
0: now? Are you are you tr- are you trying to tell me you've kicked the habit? Because uh, you were a WoW guy, weren't you?
1: I I was playing a lot of WoW the last year and the last month or two. There's really been Dang. nothing to do. <laughs>
0: because everybody's waiting for it's, for uh, the cataclysm thing I, to drop right. I I do
1: have a whole bunch of high level tunes and played a ton of wow in the last year. And yeah, on December 7th I'll be there. Uh right. but for the you know for the next you know, it's it's almost great how they timed everything. It was like so you know we're we're going to go into our little remission mode right around the holiday season so you can play about two or three <laughs> you, you get two or three months in of other games. And then after Thanksgiving you know, it, it couldn't have worked out better. It was like, you know, please don't let them release Rock Band on Thanksgiving and, you know, Cataclysm, you know, three days later. Like, here's a good month and a half, you know, time between Rock Band and, and WoW. It's kind of like Blizzard is letting us have a little furlough time. <laughs> it was like their gift to the rest of us. It's like our gift right. to you is that you can actually play some other games. You can go, you can go play some Black Ops. You can go play some Rock Band. You can, you know, you can play a little, you know, Team Fortress Two, Scream Fortress. We've got all these other little dalliances for you to play around with. And then, you know, you've, you've got a week after Thanksgiving, and then you're back with us.
0: And then you're, yeah, you're reporting for duty, right?
1: <laughs> you have, you have kicked that habit, have you
0: not? I have not touched WoW in forever, mainly because I I was meeting my uh, I don't I'm not really into MMOs, but my MMO curiosity was being uh, satisfied by the Lord of the Rings one. But I have I have to say, Sal, I, I think I, I think I'm going to have to jump in on the seventh. I mean, just to see what's going on and how far it's come. I've I've been away for so long, and I'm I, I'm, I'm curious. What
1: ca- what characters do you still have lingering in the world of Warcraft?
0: Okay, here's, here's a a shining example of how I don't play wow. My highest level character is like I think a 28 level Uh, not a cleric what are they priests what's the healing (laughs) class see I don't even know the class name. what are they called (laughs) (laughs) it's the 28th level nurse maid (laughs) so the reality Tom Uh,
1: is you haven't played WoW
0: you no for all intents and purposes I could not have a meaningful conversation about WoW
1: you you could reach level 28 at this point
0: in a day um it's, I don't believe that. Oh well, just come on. Like they, I know they've they've sped up the leveling. Oh,
1: absolutely. You could. It's it's that trivial to get to level 28. These days, If you woke up tomorrow morning and you had, well, if you if you had the heirlooms and stuff ready to go, which you probably don't because you don't have any higher level characters, but you could get to level 25 in a day. Wow. Yeah. See. So I'm gonna
0: be I'm gonna be coming to it with a, a blank slate, as it oh. were, on because uh, they're adding like new races and they're, there's like new whole. They're like reworking all the the basic areas and stuff my, right? my
1: recommendation to you, Tom, would be okay to before the game comes out you to mm-hmm. go and roll a blood elf and play through the blood elf starting experience. You've, you've probably played through some of the original starting experiences. Well,
0: you know what? I have actually, Sal. I did, when the Blood Elf thing got launched, I, I did a Blood Elf Paladin with Bruce Garrick. Like, we we were doing... I, so, I've done the... That's the Blood Elves, right? Yep. The Blood Elves are the... Yeah. So, I have done that. Did I say again? Play
1: through that to level 20?
0: Uh, my Blood Elf, I think, might be, like, 18 okay, or
1: something. That's, that's close enough. So then you've got a good frame of reference, so when Cataclysm comes out, I would suggest the first thing you do is go through the Goblin starting experience. Okay. Because then you'll have a good frame of reference from Original WoW to uh, Burning Crusade Blood Elf starting area to the Goblin area. You, the Goblin area. you can kind of see how they've evolved, those starting mm-hmm. experiences over time. Uh, you'll, the Goblin area is great it's it's hysterical and that's that's not like a big commitment like get to level 80 and level 85 and and raid that's something you could do you know in a day or two wait isn't the goblin are i'm so out of my league here but aren't the goblins one of the new races yeah so when when cat- oh well how do you know about that how do you it's know been about the goblin in beta race? and they've showed it off a bunch of times and <laughs> i see okay it's uh, by, by this time almost at this point almost everyone has played through the goblin area through beta <laughs> or whatever um it's, yeah, it's, it's a ton of fun. Now, what are you going to do when it
0: launches? Like, what, what What's going to be your first order of business? Is it to roll up one of those Goblin or Wolf characters? No, or are you going to do something with a
1: high-level toon? I have five high-level tunes, so my first order of business will probably be to get one of them to 85. And then I'm not really sure what I'm going to do from that point on. What's the level cap right now? Uh, level cap now is 80, and then they're raising it to 85. So it'll be a, a week or two of leveling a character to 85, and then seeing what that game... I mean, WoW is, is you know, if if you've never hit 60, you know, WoW at 60 in Vanilla WoW was such a, a different game. It was almost, you know, two complete different games, you know, where you were questing on your own and maybe, you know, getting with friends and doing some dungeons, and then at 60 it turned into something just completely different. And it was, you know, it was the same way with uh, the latest expansion where... You know, leveling from 70 to 80 was one game, and then playing as level 80 was something completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've One of the great things they've done is they've made, and some people will complain about it, is that they've made it so much easier and accessible to do the higher level stuff, like raiding, where you don't need to decide, do I want to play in a guild with friends, or do I want to join a guild just so I can raid? You know, right. Now you can do both. You can stay in that guild with your friends and it's possible to do pickup raids, which people love to complain about, but they still fill a need and they give people an option to, to do stuff that they wouldn't ordinarily get to do. So they've made so much more of the game accessible to casual players and you don't have to play 8 zillion hours in order to see this content.
0: Right. right. Um, well, now, you, you you sound like you're like you, you're genuinely excited about Cataclysm, or is it kind of like, a, yeah, I guess I'll go check it out.
1: No, I'm I'm totally excited about it. I'm I'm looking forward to to playing through some new, new stuff, but I'm also you know, apprehensive about it, not knowing they're they're going to tear the world apart. I really enjoyed the last expansion and where the balance kind of you know how they had things balanced out, how accessible stuff was, and they came back and all right so 4.0 is coming out all the ta- all the classes are getting overhauled you're going to have a new talent system we're going to redo all these old areas we're going to have you know so you never know from one game one expansion to the next how it's going to break out you know is is, is it going to be as fun this time around as it was last time so right. it's a wait and see thing you know, you play through to 85 and you see if the the rating is a mess and you know i i really i was gone from wow for about 2 or 3 years until like, the third patch of the last expansion. And I completely skipped most of Burning Crusade, and then I skipped the first two patches of, uh, of Lich King and came back for the, the second two patches and thought it was all, all the stuff they had been doing was really improving the game a great deal. And now, you know, who, who knows what direction it's going to head in at this point. So it's really now, when you, when you talk about 4.0, is
0: that Cataclysm?
1: Yeah, 4.0 is Cataclysm.
0: Okay. Ugh, Sal, ugh, I don't want you to tell me this stuff. No, I'm just...
1: <laughs> so, Tom, I'm telling you, so what you really need to do is just play through the Goblin stuff when the game comes out, and that'll tell you whether you have any interest in continuing to play or not.
0: Well, see, the thing is, I know I will. Like, I I, I love MMOs when I play them, but I have this special ability to just sort of turn that off and, and let it go. Uh, I, I, have, I, I just know that I have that in me to really get into an MMO, and... I guess that's what I'll be doing December 7th. <laughs> Sounds. All right. Well, Sal, uh, I've really enjoyed talking to you about Rock Band. I, I, you're kind of a freak in my eyes, but I love that about you as far as how advanced you are with the game. So uh, thanks for, uh, for deigning to explain to a noob like me <laughs> as much as you have. Um, so for folks listening, I, I want to say there will be a thread in the Everything Else forum titled, What's Something You've Done That Should Be on America's Funniest Home Videos? Uh, if you answer the question, you will go in with Sal for a drawing for free game, assuming that you use the word nuts in your post. Uh, you can use it however you like. I know what comes to mind for a lot of you people right now, but remember, nuts also means like crazy or wacky, so just keep that in mind. So post in that thread, uh, use the word nuts, you'll go into the drawing for a free game. Uh, and Sal, like I said, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I have really appreciated. it. Hey, thanks for having me, Tom. And we'll see you around on the forum. See ya.